talking and getting ready. But uh, this episode is actually going to be about me. I'm the guest today. I'm being interviewed today. No holds barred. We're calling this open book. And you guys can ask whatever you want. You're in the chat. You're on the show. I got a couple of hosts here are going to ask some questions. And it's all about open book today. Why? Because, well, people have questions for me, not just recently, but they've asked me lots of things over the years, well, especially the last year, and I absolutely want to answer them. I want to be part of the, the conversation, and you're happy to uh, ask questions, and I'm happy to answer them. Just give me a second here for StreamYard, because uh, as I'm talking right now, I'm also multitasking, because I'm a multitasker, because I do have to get this show up on Rumble. So I'm just going to click a couple buttons, and you'll be seeing me live on Rumble. But have you guys been following the Twitter? There's a lot of good stuff on there. And happy news. Uh, my special guest tomorrow morning on the uh, Coots episode is going to be Maxime Bernier himself. Uh, it's taken a while. We've been chatting quite a bit. But, um, no, he's a really good man. He's always been a really good man. He's been kind to me. He's been uh, very supportive on a whole bunch of things. And, uh, yeah, he's ready to go ahead and get more involved and have a conversation about political prisoners. So Maxime Bernier himself will be on tomorrow, and I look forward to that. And we click another button here for Rumble. Let's see if we can get it back, back on. And go. So now I'm going to go see my Rumble link and see if we're there. But that, that'll be exciting because, as you know, Maxime himself was arrested, and he's a political prisoner. He actually had charges for political reasons. He was out there doing his uh, talking in the crowd. Six feet apart, no masks, and then they arrested him. So he absolutely knows what it's like to be a political prisoner. And looks like we're live on Rumble. Yes. Okay. We're good. We're good. Now we're good. So sorry to you, everybody there on Rumble. You missed the first little tiny bit, but that's okay. Uh, what you missed was uh, today's episode is going to be about me, the guy who forgot to put it on Rumble this afternoon because I was preoccupied and my entire morning was four and a half hour show so boy does that throw everything off but we're here we're here so let me go ahead and bring in my two co-hosts but then uh dwell hi that's me she says that's yeah. me. hi how are you doing name. that's me I, I i'm getting really good at catching people right at the bad time right. and then ray i'm gonna bring ray now ray's got his magic mute button so he's going to be able to control when stop so go ahead ray hello hello Okay. Hi, hi, Jason. I, I'm gonna figure out what's what's going on because I had an interview on Saturday and there was nothing wrong with the microphone. So, uh, I, but I I have one tomorrow, so I I need to figure it out. But anyway, I'm happy to do this uh, muting. But hello from Vancouver. Awesome, awesome. It's working. Okay, there's no echoes. You're not echoing, and of course, I don't hear my voice, which is annoying to me. Uh, but uh, so, how are you doing, Bethan? Yeah, you know, we're hanging in there too. Um, there's been some like exciting things on the cooker, but Twitter has been a fire. Um, I, I mean, like I can Oprah question you. I have lots of questions about where you grew up and high school, mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. But, you know, we'll see what the comment section says, but it's probably not the direction of questioning the comment section wants us to go. So we'll, we will definitely... <laughs> ride off what they have to say. I'll have to watch Rumble and see what the questions are. Well, Paula is bringing in the questions as well. So, Paula, don't hold back. You bring in all the questions as well. And, Bethan, I don't know if you can see the folder, but 
inside this back studio thing, do you see? I think it says banners. Mm-hmm. I can probably find it. Stand by. Okay. If you see one called banners, there'll be one called questions in there. So you'll be able oh, to see okay. what Paul is doing. There. Okay, nice. All right. There Carry you go. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, the rules are there are no rules, and we're. We're, we're trying to be the most transparent news program out there, most transparent journalists out there. So that means this is what we do. Um, there's no legal limitations on any questions that could be asked of me. I don't have any bail conditions and I don't have any pending court matters. So you can ask away. And right to you as well, Ray, you've been following this event uh, from your perspective for quite some time. So maybe you have some questions as well for uh, me directly. Um, Happy. I don't know how to do this because I'm, I'm used to hosting and asking the first question, but I guess my first question is going to be, who wants to go first? I'll go up with that because well, we have a no muting issue with you. Okay, we got a no muting issue with me. Okay, so when it comes to being a journalist, um, what are your like most important principles in regards to being a journalist? What are you know one or two, th three things that you high in the you hold in the highest regard with the highest value that's my question. okay so my integrity is the first one for sure because uh without that i don't even believe myself um i want to find as close to the truth as possible and i'm saying the truth because there's perspectives on the truth it's tough to always get the exact truth there's a perspective on the truth and then uh, removing my biases because i have some strong biases i definitely definitely have opinions that, that i would be able to insert all the time but uh when it comes to journalism i try not to because that will skew it too much it's tough to take all the biases out because I'm a male, so I have some male biases. And, you know, I have upbringing in Canada. I have a certain bias there, too. Uh, I have a love for this country, so there's a bias there as well. But I say integrity, uh, the, the truth, and then trying to remove my bias would be the, the three things I work hard on. Everything else falls into place if you can get those going. So to a follow-up to that, so there's integrity, truth, and removing of biases in, you know, say the past week or so, what of those things do you feel have gotten you in the most amount of hot water? The bias. Uh, yeah, I have some strong opinions on how things should be done. And uh, I would absolutely say that that has come out in the last few days. I have a strong bias on um, what I think should be done with monetary things. Um, I've seen enough where I do believe strongly um that things don't have they shouldn't be left with one person so i let that bias out for sure mm -hmm. yeah no like i'm i'm interested in in tying into that monetary thing because i do have experience with the freedom movement and seeing what happens to us when there are, there's money involved and hi morgan uh, yeah yay morgan's here woo <laughs> Hey, awesome. She just slid into the bottom there, but hi. <laughs> to the picture. Yeah, that's great. So I like I'll hold that piece. We're gonna plant a flag with um with monetary and money, but perhaps Ray or Morgan have some questions for you and then we'll dig in more with that. Well, let's be fair, we'll jump to Ray because he's also got that special button he's gotta work with. 
<laughs> yeah, me and my special muting button, but now I now I speak. Uh, so uh, it's it's good to meet uh, meet you, Morgan May and Bethan and Jason, to be on this uh, on this show. And and I wonder, Jason, um, uh, I mean, you've been doing this. I mean, I just sort of discovered your Good Morning with Jason podcast because of your coverage of the Coots Four. But I want to ask, like, why you? Like, why are you covering covering this story? Like, how did this happen that you happen to be uh, in the place you find yourself now these many weeks later since June? Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah, there's actually, a straight line. Oh, your button. There you go. Yeah, there's a straight line to that one. Um, okay, so when I started my podcast last year, back in August or so, I didn't know what the subject matter would be for my show. I didn't think people would sit there and listen to me talk about my view of things. I didn't really believe that would be a thing. I liked LawTube. So Viva Fry, um, there was, uh, oh man, what's that guy's name? He's an American. He's crass. He's got an attitude. Uh, Riketa Law, Riketa Law, um, and a couple others, uh, Uncle of the Bailey. Uh, they do LawTube. And I liked the, um, uh, the court cases that they were covering. So there was the, uh, oh man, I'm just drawing some blanks here. Um, Rittenhouse. So Kyle Rittenhouse, a matter, was was law-tubed. And we also had the Johnny Depp stuff law-tubed. So I watched a lot of coverage that way because I don't watch mainstream at all and there's very little other options, but I was covering, watching that coverage. So I thought that would be a good thing to do. And that's when the POEC inquiry was starting up. So that's what I went attached myself to. And I watched every minute. I streamed every minute. Uh, nobody else was really streaming it. There was me, Viva Fry, and War Campaign on YouTube that was doing it. Uh, so I was one of three. <laughs> that was a good way to kind of get started on that. Um, and that's where it started. And then I, I followed that all the way through the POEC. Took a break during the summer. Came back. And I just started to do interviews. My first guest was uh, Tom Morazzo. And because I met him through the POEC stuff, I actually met him in person and he came on my show a couple of times. And then I had Jeremy McKenzie on a few weeks later. And then I had Bridget Belton on. And like, wait a minute, that's now three witnesses from the POEC that I've had on. Let's go for all 76. And that includes the prime minister. So I sent out a tweet and I asked Twitter, hey, can you hook me up with some POEC people? I got uh, Chris Deering that way. I got uh, Maggie Hope Braun that way. Uh, and then more and more people started connecting me. And then I asked another time, I said, hey, I gotten some, can I get some more? And in the same tweet, and anybody related to the Coots situation, um, somebody reached out to me pretty quickly and said, you should talk to Granny McKay. And then called her up. She told me the background story. And that's uh, so when I offered morning show. Because at that time, Ray, I was doing my afternoon interview show. And then I was kind of recapping the afternoon interview show and the morning show, just hanging around with a couple of friends talking about it. The morning show wasn't more than a recap of the interview show. So that's why I offered up the morning show for that particular program to make it about the coots because I was devastated by what I was hearing about what was going on with them. And then it just started from there. Uh, the first day was day 496, I think it was. Now we're up to day 541. Um, and covering it every weekday since. Okay, and it's uh, it's it's really great, and 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 I would think too that that partly also you're covering it because of a near media 
AWOL on the, on this story. I mean, you know, you get maybe a story by the CBC or CTV back in late November, early December 2022, something, and then basically nothing. And uh, I mean, you know, I mean, I know uh, I've seen like Rebel News had covered things about um, they had their tr um, trucker commission or, or the trucker, um, you know, the Coot story blockade uh, documentary that came out by Keon Simone and Sydney Fizzard um, last last summer, so on. But you know, but and there was a, a bit of a of a coverage about Joanne Person after her her charges were dropped, but but really nothing much. And when I was uh, you know, when I was talking with Trish Wood in, in Ontario back in mid-June, she said, Ray, you should, you should follow up your, your articles you've been writing on, on the commission, because I went to the commission for a week and, and uh, you know, <laughs> I met uh, Tom Morazzo and Tamara Lich and, 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 and uh, you know, and so I've, you know, read through many, not all, but many of the, the, the transcripts too. And, and, uh, and your show was 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 the best thing that happened for me to be able to start to write something because oh, wow. there was oh, wow. really very little out there. I mean, then I got pointed. Then, of course, once I started watching it, then Donald Best put out his article, and then Gord put out his article. But there's, there's not. It's not like we have hundreds of articles out there about this. Uh, there's a lot of people that if I tell them here in Vancouver what I'm doing, they look at me like. Like what am I talking about? How and how can this be happening? Is what else they say. So, uh, so kudos to you for for keeping on and making this such a priority as it should be. Thank you very much, Ray. Very much, Ray. And, and you got to mute. Got to mute. Oh, there we go. Um, and to, to answer, kind of, you had a second question there. Like, was it media related? I didn't know the media wasn't covering it when I agreed to do it. I learned a lot of details in that first week for sure. Uh, what I did know is I didn't know about it, <laughs> and I thought I should have known about it. And being in Alberta with my legal background, and just the simple fact that I cared, uh, that just lined up. So it was a quick offer to uh, Margaret in order to do the show. And then that's where she introduced me later. Like, it took a good week before Danielle was part of the show. Um, it was just Donald and I at the beginning with uh, with uh, Margaret. Um, but that's when I started to learn more things like there's a publication ban, the press isn't really covering it. And I started to dig in some more things about it closer to the court date, which was in the middle or late uh, July, because we started this at the end of June. So it was like a three week period before the court stuff even happened um, that I was learning, learning more and more details. Uh, so from that point on, then I was hooked. Nobody else was covering it. They should have been covering it. Uh, Danielle taught me about the publication ban, and it wasn't until we met her and went through that that we got comfortable talking more about it. Um, but all that kind of came together. That wasn't the, the deciding factor. Um, but being in Alberta, having my law, and having the time uh, is really the deciding factors at that time. Uh, Morgan, I was going to go through with you on next, if you like. Interesting. Uh, I got hung up on the publication bans. Um, I always thought the publication bans were the, put in place to protect children um, and people who were subject to domestic abuse. Mm -hmm. But now we're seeing, we see it all the time. And I, I'm actually curious how frequent this is becoming. Um, it's, it's almost too much, I think, and it's becoming a huge problem. And, and so another issue is that, um, 
I don't know what it's like in Alberta, but in Nova Scotia, we have had a very difficult time. You know, anytime I have gone to court, I can't seem to get people to come and support me because they would not wear the masks. And so they right. were not permitted into the courtrooms unless they would wear a shield or a mask. So it just doesn't feel like open court anymore. Yeah, and I'll tell you one more thing, Morgan. For a while here in Alberta, you have to be vaccinated to be on the jury. I had never heard that. That's disgusting. Yep. It's not the case anymore, but for a period of time, you have to be vaccinated to be on the jury. So that would be right. government so combined people. Yeah, and they had said that they came out with an article explaining that all of the Nova Scotia judges were vaccinated. But what they didn't mention was that <laughs> some of them stepped down for a period of time. <laughs> and, and from what we understand, it's because they're not vaccinated. So that kind of created a whole false narrative as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, but I, I was talking to Bethan earlier. I think it's, um, I know in Nova Scotia, we had filed charges against the chief medical health officer and certain politicians, and it was going nowhere in court because actually we couldn't get to court because the RCMP would do investigations, come up with nothing. And so charges were never laid. But what I, I, has been speaking to um, Paul Westhaver, actually, the Nova Scotia king of foy pops. Um, yeah, he got me suspended again, just so you know. <laughs> that does not surprise me. <laughs> hey, he didn't do anything new. It was the same video, but they hit me a second time on the same video. It was weird. Yeah, he has no filter, but that's a good thing, I think. I like um, <laughs> yeah, so he, uh, years ago, he filed a private prosecution and it got us both thinking that we need to do more of this. All you have to do is go to the go to court, get pick up some paperwork, and you can file a private prosecution. And if you don't feel comfortable representing yourself, I uh, I don't know, surround yourself with some people who are interested in helping you through that endeavor. There's a lot of smart people in this community who can mm -hmm. certainly help. Yeah. So if, if that's a question about private prosecution, I actually want to tackle that one because that's something. I talked about on the show before. Uh, I yeah. think it's Laura I spoke to this about. And the idea there was we don't do enough of them, private prosecutions. So when you try them, they're difficult. They're not really successful a lot. But that's not really because they're private prosecutions. It's just because people don't do them a lot and people don't know how to make them. Uh, so we were talking about putting together a bit of a website so you can click, 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 fill in some details and spit out a private prosecution package. And the real purpose, uh, Morgan, what we were doing this for was um, story time hour. So we wanted to give people the ability to report story time hours, uh, report the issues because the courts and the systems aren't doing that. The police aren't doing that. Uh, so if you witness something, you can report it, give us the details. That actually ties into my book. That's why I was I made that book so people know how to make <laughs> private prosecution packages um, and then submit it to the Crown but publicly submit it to the Crown. So we have a website that lists off all the ones being sent to who, because there's two parts of the private prosecution. One, you got to do a good job, make the package, get it in there. Two, the Crown's got to follow up on it. So I suspect, at least at the beginning, they'll ignore a couple of them, but they can't ignore 50 of them in a week or something like that. So this would be the idea of why they have to be listed on a website to let people know 
Calgary Crown Office has received 40 complaints from five events and they did nothing. That, I think, would help move the needle, at least to make the private prosecutions be looked at. And if they're garbage and they don't have any material in it and it's not actionable, fine. But again, we're going to publish it so people can make up their own decision on how good they are. But if they are, they should be followed upon and absolutely be addressed. And you should see a lot more prosecutions. This is one way for citizens to take back prosecutions. And I absolutely believe we should be doing that. And we should be assisting as a community to do that. Because it shouldn't be the barrier to getting prosecutions done, the paperwork. It should be, do you have material? Is it substantive? Like, is there something here? And is there a crime? Uh, that should be what's important. And I think we can help using technology to do exactly that. It is something I've spoken about on the, the stream before. Yeah, and, and another thing that I wanted to ask you, I'm not sure if you have um, spoken about this, but Bethan and I were talking earlier about maybe, and this may already be in place and I just don't know about it, um, a system or a website where we can compile some case law that would help people in our community. I think that that would that would be a huge help for people who are, you know, have some ongoing court battles. Okay, so yeah, so Canly is your best option for that. C A N L I I. Uh, that's where all the case law is. It is free to access. You just need to know how to do it. So maybe some some demonstrations, some classes, some presentations on how to use Canly and properly search it. I'm pretty good at that. It is a way I do find a lot of things uh, quite well. And I've also started using over the last six months some AI techniques. So I do know how to use ChatGPT when it comes to working with case law and actually creating motions and, and other legal documents. So these are presentations I think I can do. I like that, yeah. What is the, I've played around with chat GPT a bit. There's a, a cost associated to that, correct? Uh, you can use it free. There's a free version, but no, I do pay for it. And I'm also a Microsoft partner. So I have developer backend access to it as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. Interesting. No, that's, it's good to know. And I think that if we could even narrow down Canly to, yeah, the most specific case law, I guess that would, if we could pull out case law that would help people who have yeah. COVID tickets. Yeah. Yeah. The challenge with Canly is the keywords. So making sure you know what to search for and how to search for. And that's kind of where the AI could be trained and helped is the AI can help make keywords and then the keywords could be searched. And then you can take that information back to AI to summarize, link, associate, and do some other things with it. Yeah. We'll have to hurry before AI completely destroys humanity. Don't worry, they're working on AI to combat AI, so we should be good. <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> they are. <laughs> yeah, AI hiring, uh, hiring. Yeah, like, here's the thing, and, it, and it's such a bad message. So they, so they have this system where they're using AI mm -hmm. to make sure that students are not putting their papers in that has generated by AI. So the students are being told, don't use AI. But the administration is using AI to catch them using AI. So it's kind of a weird message there. Um, is AI valuable or not is, is the real question here. And I guess it's only valuable when you want it to be valuable to you. I still think AI does a great job for research and bringing information together. So I don't really have a problem with using it. I did use it for my book. It, it did help me organize my book and help me get it done a lot faster than I think I would have done on my own. Yeah. 
but yeah, I can see both sides. I love, obviously I love technology as much as I think it's probably detrimental to my own health. And um, yeah, who is a challenge addicted to their phones or computers this day and age. Um, as we I, say I that into a computer. Yeah. I think I've, I used to have an incredible amount of focus and I have likely developed adult ADHD from overuse, <laughs> phone overuse for sure. Yeah. And do you mind if I jump to Bethan now? We'll kind yeah. of cycle through the question. <laughs> yeah, I mind. No. <laughs> you mind? Uh oh. Yeah, oh my gosh. Thanks, Morgan. Um, so private prosecution, that's really key. And then this FOI pops, which sounds like K pops, but it's not the same. <laughs> Um, but yeah, really want to like capitalize down on that is where action items that people can start looking into and taking action on. And it would be nice, like seeing more people run for mayor or run independently, like you both are running independently. And so I, Facebook, I am seeing your chat in Facebook. And so, um, two separate, but different questions was, um, how did Jason get into politics? So I guess it's your twitter handle that makes people think that you're in politics and um someone else asked do you trust the judge so two separate questions but how'd you get into politics and do you trust the judge i'm assuming in coots yeah i'll assume that one too because i there's i don't know who else the judge would be other than god himself and that's a pretty quick answer I trust the judge. yes okay. i do yes i do um Politics was, I was pushed into it by Trudeau. Uh, I was frustrated with the convoy. I was frustrated with his response. And on the 22nd of February, he went on TV in French. And I've told the story many times. That's why it comes out of me so many, so easy now. Uh, en Francais, um, if you don't like what I did here, gain support, register as a candidate, and run against me. Uh, he was telling all of Canada to F off. And if you don't like what I do, you have to do something about it at the next election. And you can't do anything else. I agreed with him for me. Uh, I think everybody has their own path forward. Some of them are protesters. Some of them are, are noisemakers. Some of them are ralliers. Um, I'm more of a diplomatic person. I, I like to talk and I like to work things out. Sometimes you negotiate, sometimes you mediate. I've had this experience uh, through my paralegal side of things and just through my nature as a problem solver because my background is technology. So I do a lot of technology and that's nothing but problem solving the entire day. Uh, so that's where my forte was. So I thought diplomatic would be a good way to go about it. Um, I didn't initially start off as independent though. So I reached out to CPC first and I spoke to my current MP, um, Ger Gerald Socorro, I think it is. I always get his name wrong. Um, my brain rejects information sometimes that I don't care about, and that's just one of them. Uh, so, <laughs> just the way I am. Uh, Sakura, uh, I, ca I called him and I talked to him. Well, first I emailed him, and then I actually was surprised to get a response, and he said, let's chat. And my response, my email to him was, hey, I'm a local guy, just showed up. I've got these skills. Can I be of help? Um, so, I certainly didn't want Trudeau to win. So, my plan of talking to Gerald at first was to be second in line get behind him at some point he's going to retire and then maybe I've earned my way to step in his shoes. That's why I reached out to him was to be next in line. That was my goal, not to be first in line. Um, and the conversation with him went really, really well. He was really impressed with my background, the things I was talking about, uh, the frustration I have with the current government. And he expressed some stuff as well. We talked about the Phoenix payroll system because this is what he's leading in the house as well. 
because uh, I inquired about some of the things he's working on as well. And that's when I started saying to him, hey, look, I'm a tech guy. I think I can actually help you with the Phoenix stuff. Like I can make it easier for you to understand what they're even talking about. Um, I, had, I had confidence that I can assist there. The end of the conversation was interesting, though. He said, I like you. I think there's something we can do here, but I don't know how to bring you in. He, he framed it that way. I don't know how to bring you in. And what he was getting at was, if you're in political science in university, there is a clear path into a party. If the party wants you and they selected you, there's a clear path into the party. Other than that, he wasn't sure how else he can get me in. There wasn't a bring this guy in program. Uh, he wasn't sure how to bring me into the fold. So he promised to get back to me to talk about some things. He didn't. He didn't get back to me at all. Uh, around the same time, I reached out to the PPC as well. I became a member of their party. I donated to them. They reached out quickly, said, hey, welcome to the uh, membership. And I sent him my resume and I said, if I could be of any help, let me know. Oof, they like that resume. Uh, contacted me back. Like within a week, I'm sitting in front of everybody, the CEO of the uh um, a local group here, the EDA. And uh, very quickly, they were asking or pushing or trying to goat me into becoming the candidate. After a few conversations, um, it was offered as candidate in waiting without a contract. We were still making our way through the due diligence of each other. Um, I was, I take the Mark Twain philosophy. I don't want to be part of a club that will take me, you know, that a little philosophy. So I do take a close look at the group that says yes. And I say, okay, why? <laughs> like, why are you so quick to just take me? And is there not three other people who want this job? And do we have to do a debate? And do I have to earn it? And when the answers to all of those were no, you can basically have it. That's a red flag for me. I got to be honest with you. That's a red flag for me. Um, I, I love myself, but... Really? There's like nobody that I have to go against on this? Um, so there's a, a few things that came up as I was going through the due diligence that made me made me feel like the PPC is the right party, but just not for me. So if uh, you have to pick a party, that's the one where I put my vote. Uh, they have a lot of good things going on there. But they still have a platform and you just have to be loyal to it. So those are two conditions that are very difficult for someone like me. Uh, especially being out in the West, because their platform is very, just like all national platforms for political parties, it's very East heavy. Uh, it's what they need. It's what they, they would vote for. And very West neutral at best. Yes, he had some energy stuff he talked about, but it would still be difficult for me to bring anything even to the PPC platform for the West, for Yellowhead specifically. So I identified those problems. And there was one more problem, which was Maxime didn't have a stable seat yet. So Maxime made it clear during a, uh, a Zoom call with a whole bunch of us. And this was before uh, the Winnipeg election, the by-election. Uh, he was looking for four ridings where he can move his family to. And at any time when he makes a decision, that riding's going to be his. Um, so I was concerned about building up that base, building up that presence, and building up that support in Yellowhead just to attract Maxime to take it. I was confident I'd be very good at it. This is an arrogance I have because I, I do succeed at a lot of the things I try and do. But I was confident I would build enough support that it would get his attention. So it was kind of like I would be digging my own grave. So I asked him, hey, can I get an exception to this rule? You got 338 places to look at. Can I get an exception of this rule out of the contract called the uh, leader's clause? 
and nobody gets an exception. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, that's the same rules for everybody. But that that was where I made my decision that I think it's best that I move forward to build my base one on one. Because when I do talk to my neighbors and I say, I will represent you, I will. <laughs> it won't be someone else who steps in later because uh, I, I didn't have the ability to do that. Uh, I expressed all of this to the PPC party. We parted on good ways, good terms. There was no, no problem. I still support the PPC party and other endeavors. And I'm still uh, friendly with Maxime. He will be on my show tomorrow morning. Um, but when it came to what... And again, integrity is one of the things I hold dearly. And when it came to being able to tell my neighbors, I will take that issue to Ottawa for you, I, I couldn't do that if there was a chance that it wouldn't be me and it wouldn't be someone taking his issue forward. So for, for those reasons and a couple more, that's kind of why I, I chose an independent path. I think you're muted. Right. So that was that. Um, there was a question about, do you trust, trust the, the judge? Oh, trust the judge. And then, you know, we'll jump to Ray if Ray's got other questions. I don't want to hog the mic too much, but I've got a few more. No worries. Thank okay. you. Uh, yeah, sorry, I forgot that one. Okay, so we're talking about the Coots judge. I'm going to preface this with, I trusted Rouleau. Okay, so I'm going to put that on the table. I trusted Rouleau as we were making our way through it whether it was naivety, whether I wanted to, or it was just blind trust, I trusted Rouleau. This judge, I sat in front of him for a week now, watched his face, watched, watched his body language, his various comments, who is he digging at, who is he supporting, who is he helping with some information, who is he not, all of that. I do think he's neutral. I do think he's neutral. He was pushing both sides the same way to hurry up. He was pushing both sides to, well, there wasn't anything on the defense side that required scolding, uh, but there was a few things on the uh, Crown side that required scolding, and he didn't hold back. Um, he was, I think, firm with the galley, but in the same way I've seen every judge. Like, I don't think he was more firm than any other judge I've seen, because he doesn't, none of them really like you to applaud or say I love yous or anything like that. They really want you to be completely quiet. Um, I didn't think he was fair on his decision in the publication ban uh, for the crown because what he did create was a situation where only fake information could be allowed, not the real information. Uh, if the real information came out, you're in trouble. So he created a condition where the jury pool is only going to be able to get bad information. And he said he did it for the purpose of protecting the jury pool, but he actually created a bad jury pool by doing that. So I think that was a bad decision, but I don't think it was based on him being biased. I just think he just didn't understand uh, social media and possibly the, the environment he was creating. So I did preface this with, I did trust Rouleau. I was mistaken about that one. Um, and this judge just for the week I've been there, I, I end my conversations with other people who've been there the entire time. Nobody seems to think he's on the take or he is a bad dude. Now, ask me this question in a few months when that envelope is still not opened and it could have been opened. I may have a new answer. Unmute. Okay. Um, yeah. So, Rouleau, he liked the control of the room more than... Uh, you could see his bias, you know, bringing back to the top is not is showing your bias. And he showed his bias throughout it. I didn't realize he was quite a Laurentian elite as much as he was, but they all went snowboarding together. 
mm-hmm. the rapporteur or skiing or skiing so, with your brother and you didn't come back. Okay, just that, put it out there. I heard interesting stuff about that this weekend. I didn't but, even know that until recently. I didn't even know that. Oh man, the juicy gossip and rumors about um, Justin Trudeau's brother's death—like that's deep. Is uh, Sophie his brother's girlfriend? Is that true? I heard that. I did hear that. Dun dun dun. And uh, I heard this that is like getting this is like Hunter Biden life. type of stuff, isn't it? Oh man, it just seems really like a Masonic death ritual of some kind, but. I, I don't know enough to say that. Okay, so, that's why I'm asking questions. I'm yeah, sorry, I'm the interviewer or, or interviewee exactly. today. Back to back to the questions. So um, I'm noticing in the chat people are wanting to go coots, but Ray, I'll let you take sure. the floor. Sure. Um, well, I, I I will kind of trajectory into into coots in this way because uh, because it's uh, the last questions related to kind of like your you know impression of the judge of. And you mentioned your impression of Rouleau or your beginning point. So I wonder, um, what was your, do you recall your first impressions and reactions to the cache of weapons and the RCMP cruiser behind that and what you thought then? And then, as I understand it, uh, we know through disclosure that those weapons don't have anything to do with the four who are accused, if I'm, if I'm correct with that. Anyway, kind of like the, the the little A to Z story of your reaction to what you first saw and now the scales falling from your eyes over time regarding that that detail. I had a unique response because just a week or so before, I just heard the word Diaglon. I just heard about it. I didn't even hear about it before or anything like that. And, uh, it was presented to me as you need to learn this. I'm like, okay, let me go learn into that. Um, so by the time that picture came out, this is when I just came out of the rabbit hole of Diagon and I knew it wasn't anything serious. It wasn't a bad thing. It was just a group of fun people who definitely has our rated comedy. That's what I got out of my research after looking into it. So honestly, Ray, the first thing I noticed was the patch, the patches on the uh, thing. And immediately my eyes went to them like, Oh, well, I know that doesn't mean what they're saying it's meaning. So immediately I started to suspect it completely. Um, and maybe that bias has come out on my coverage of the coots. But from the very moment I saw that picture, I didn't believe it was what they said it was. It's also because of my globalist stuff that I do, that I look into. And I strictly don't believe in the media at all. And I'm very, very familiar with uh, propaganda, staging, and other things like that. So... If it wasn't for the diagonal patches, I might have bought into it a little bit more sooner. But because of the diagonal patches, I knew it was it was bogus. So I've had that opinion ever since. And it's just been validated the more research we go into it. Uh, but you asked for my initial knee-jerk reaction, and it was, it's BS, because I just finished spending a week looking into the BS of diagonal. And when I say BS, I mean people saying it's something it's not. Um, so I learned that part, and then I saw the, the patches, and immediately that was my, my trigger for that. And and, uh, and the whole, um, I mean, I I had some of a sense around, what, like for me, the I mean, there's numbers of different lines and things are not working all, all along this pandemic story. Uh, Rochelle Walensky and the CDC saying back in August of 2021, oh, I guess the vaccine doesn't prevent transmission or infection. So, but 
but once it got to the Emergencies Act, the declaring of the Emergencies Act was like just like a red line for me. But I, mm -hmm. uh, I think I have, um, I'll call them historic friends. Uh, I'm not. I think I may have lost a number of, of of friends, a half a dozen or more, simply because I was pointing out that the, there was something really seriously wrong with the government's overreaction to go that far. I said, look, they can they can uh, declare, uh, you know, the police can declare a riot if they think there's a riot going on in Ottawa. And they, you know, you can you call in the military before invoking the emergency act. So I had, so, so I had my response and I start to tell, talk to people and I get this, you know, like up goes the drawbridge. So uh, what was happening to you in your social circle as you were perceiving things were not quite uh, as they should be, uh, and now maybe you're very lucky and you've chosen all your friends well and they all were two thumbs up with you. But I'm just interested in what what was happening for you personally. Well, honestly, I didn't maintain a lot of friendships. I have some old friendships that I have, but I definitely uh, was an introvert. Okay, I'm an introvert. I'm not an extrovert at all. Um, I had some legal friends, nerdy legal friends, some legal, some tech friends and stuff like that. But not many, not many. But I did learn is I have very few original OG pre-COVID friends who think the same way I do. <laughs> a lot of them do not. And I call them the OGs because everybody I've learned and met after were a new class. There's a new class of people here. They get it. They get it. Um, a couple people from my old group, I would say, was wise about what was going on. But no, most of them absolutely not. Basically, my entire family <laughs> absolutely um, went in that direction, too. So I think I'm like most people around here where uh, I got outcasted even by the people I did know. Now, the good news is they didn't really, except for one, <laughs> didn't really push me away. Uh, even my most liberal friend, who's a tech guy, um, we, we go to battle <laughs> on issues a lot. But we always leave them still talking and we'll have another chat in a week or so. Uh, it never gets to the point with this gentleman uh, where it gets insulting or anything like that. It gets heated, most definitely. He's an incredibly intelligent guy, and he is far left. Um, but he's still my friend, and we and we do chat a lot. I did have one friend, though, that I think he lost his mind. Like, that's the best way to put it. Like, I can't believe at one point we had intelligent conversations about space and time and all that stuff. And then, boom, he's telling me, well, when you're done with this conservative thing, let me know. Like this thing, <laughs> like I, I don't, I didn't pick it up off the shelf and put it on for the shirt or something. Like, I don't know what you mean by a conservative thing, and I also don't know what you imply by that. Like, what's wrong with what I'm doing? Um, and then I also had one friend who was like a just one. I was more friends with his wife than him, um, but he turned out to be somebody that who I think was a little bit scary in my life, and I should have paid more attention to, uh, because I think he is somebody who uh, works within the establishment. Because uh, when I announced my my candidacy, he reached out as a friend to uh, uh, have a conversation with me about populism and why I shouldn't support it. And my first question to him was, "Can you define populism?" and it went weird after that. Um, so for that acquaintance who was just one step away, I think that's my closest that I've reached to somebody who is part of that establishment that I fight against. I had one friend who I think he lost his mind. <laughs> and then another friend that I totally, totally still get on with. And then a lot of family that we're not distant, but we never were a close family. The Levines, historically, generationally, we're, we're not 
super close. Uh, but yeah, I, I was kind of the outcast of the family in that one. Okay, so I'll just I'll just add one one last one and then move it on to Morgan. Is is I mean my sense is I mean maybe this is you know you could say this has been happening for some decades. Maybe I mean the world the world changed in North America after September 11th. I mean there's been mm -hmm. you know security state and all kinds of things moving along in different directions, but. But my my sense that there's been a, a, a full on collapse of of classical liberalism in our country, uh, you know, certainly since the pandemic began, a whole whole host of ways, and and that the what I've noticed is is many people who I've known who've gone through their you know their whole lives swearing up and down about you know making sure that we you know, create uh, groups in churches or other other uh, NGOs and nonprofits and, and other other settings where we all make sure that everybody in the circle, everybody in the room gets to say, there's no, there's no dumb question and all of that kind of rhetoric. But the moment um, Dr. Bonnie Henry declared everybody should get vaccinated in British Columbia or whatever, whatever it happened to be, or nobody can, can, can leave the country uh, who's unvaccinated, uh, all of the former thought process of, of, oh, look at what's in the headlines. Let's have a conversation about that and let's have a discussion. What do we think? All of that, I went out the window. It was all simply, I agree totally. Anyone who doesn't agree with me has no place in the room. So I, I'm interested in, in your reflections on what's happening to our society uh, because I think that there's a lot of people that are still that have a story about inside of them about being uh, liberal, inclusive, uh, all of that kind of stuff, and in in real time, it's 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 collapsed. Yeah, awesome question. Uh, first, I just want to correct something about you. Liberal to me doesn't mean inclusive at all. Uh, I don't think that's an ideology at all. Um, in my side of things, where I'm a traditional family and I like the nuclear family, that's the most inclusive thing you can have. You're including your entire family. And that's what you're trying to maintain the entire time. So I don't think that inclusive part meant, I don't think it meant it that way, but I don't think that's a liberal trait at all. Um, to be overly inclusive, maybe, and to be overly accepting and overly uh, diverse might be more of a liberal thing. Uh, but the inclusion part, I think, is that should be a human thing. Um, to tackle your question, I can't remember his name, Yuri something, this Russian who spoke like 40 years ago. Do you know his name? No? Yuri something. Uh, he told, Bethan, do you know? I know Kevin would know this, but he wasn't available today. Um, there was this Russian guy about 40 years ago, he told how to take over the country, how to bring socialism and communism to the country, and he explained it all completely. I believe him. <laughs> I believe him wholeheartedly. Um, I believe like 40 years ago, there was a decision made to go ahead and socialize the West. I believe that thing's been going on completely ever since. I think some of the first phases was to separate the man from the home, uh, to give people welfare, to make it easier, to throw the man out or let him leave, uh, divorce, other things like that. Somebody yeah, he was, the question. Sorry, he, I was just going to jump in and say that I think you're talking about like former KGB agent, right? Yeah, Bezmanov. Yeah, yeah. Is it Yuri Bezmanov? I believe, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. He's sitting in his like pink shirt or salmon shirt or whatever, talking about this. Um, that guy. 
I believe him. I believe him completely. I think he's exactly telling the truth. Um, so I believe long time ago, even before I was born, uh, this was put into place and it first attacked the men in the home. It destabilized the structure there. It, it created uh, an entire generation of uh, single mothers, a lot of single mothers. And that was to, I think, my view of the world at this stage, was to start moving the uh, dependency from the family to the state. And it was to provide assistance because the man's not there, you can't work, you got your children. So there was this entire welfare generation created. I talk about this specifically a lot because I came from that in Saskatchewan. My mother was a single mother through choice or whatnot. And I absolutely lived the social assistance welfare upbringing. And I watched how the adults in that world plays the system. And they absolutely teach the next generation to get ready to play the system when it comes to welfare. I was trained at an early age how to lie to social assistance, to help get boots, to help get additional money for something. I was shown very quickly how to play the system. I didn't like that. I rejected that. Um, I ended up leaving home early. I wouldn't live with my mom anymore because that's just... That was never in me. I just, even at a young age, it bothered me that these adults around me, my mother, my, my cousins, the aunts, they were teaching me how to play the system just to get another $20 or another $30. And it didn't matter that you completely lied. It just, that was being taught. So I'm like, no, look, this is, I don't like this. I, I don't like the idea that I might be teaching another generation how to get just enough money to get a pack of cigarettes for the week. Because that is exactly how they were living. And it's my family. Okay. And it's also what they brought me up in. Um, I had a distant father. I had an abusive father. And it really, really messed things up for a lot of the people around him. So I had a couple examples in my life of what not to do. Not to try and live on the state. Not to hurt people to the point where they have to live on the state and that kind of stuff. So I had some good examples and bad examples uh, coming up. So that really pushed my thinking around how bad it is to rely upon the government when it came to your welfare. That meant you didn't have enough money, you lied to the government to get a little bit more. I rejected all of that. So like at this age of 17, I was on my own, no longer had parents, struggling. I'd take a bus across the city just to go to school, yada, yada, yada. We can certainly get into that another time. But that continued to push my desire to be self-sufficient and not dependent on the state at all. Because when you do that, and this is from my experience, you become stuck. There was, I wasn't hearing my aunts and, and my, and by the way, it was all females. There was no males doing this. It was all my aunts and my, my female cousins and my mom uh, explaining to me how to use the system this way. I didn't see them talk about going to school, becoming something, doing something else. All they do, and they still do this to this day, is they take and foster kids, play the system for themselves. They know how to write reports, get money out of it. And, and that is the full-time job that they are doing. And I, I rejected that. And so I went back to Winnipeg to nothing because I was doing this in Saskatoon. Went back to Winnipeg with nothing at the age of 17, put myself through school, put myself on one of the last Greyhound airplane rides. At some point, some people may not know this, but Greyhound was flying airs, or airplanes. And I took one of the last ones out to East and started working for myself. And the rest is basically history from that. But when it comes to the government and the dependencies, it's just been growing. It's just been growing. So now the 
they're becoming the parent of your children, not just, um, they're not just there for the mother. Now they're there for the child. Now they're trying to replace parents instead of just father. I saw that early too. I was being told by my school to report any spankings. Anytime they would give you discipline, tell the school. The school will protect you. You have to come into us. If your parents ever touch you, come tell the school. If you have secrets about your parents, come tell the school. Even at an early age, I was uncomfortable with that because <laughs> what are you trying to tell me is happening in my home? Are you trying to tell me that I'm being abused and I got to tell you? Because I wasn't seeing that. And that's really the, where the discomfort. And then, Ray, I was put into foster care. So my mother, not well. My father, long gone. Uh, so I spent a couple of years in foster care. Uh, I was abused quite a bit in there. And, uh, and I got to see uh, from the inside what it was like for a person who has no criminal ambitions or desires at all. I wasn't a bad boy, but I was placed in a group where there was a lot of others who were definitely there for those kind of reasons. Uh, they were removed from their home for behavior and stuff like that. So I got exposed to a lot of that. And, and this is where I kind of emotionally attached to the men because I do believe they're innocent, but they're now being exposed to guilty people. And it brings me back to those moments when I was younger because I was not one of them. I didn't belong there. I was there because of mental illness and abandonment. Uh, I wasn't there because I needed to be in a group home. The rest were. And uh, there was violence and, and other things that I had to go through. So there's a whole bunch of things that happened to me in, in my childhood that made me go, you need to be able to do this yourself. <laughs> Don't rely upon people and do your best or else you're going to end up jail, group homes, places where you have curfews and you can't do whatever you want. Um, so I was repulsed by a lot of that upbringing and, and that will push me to be a very independent person. And from the sleeping in the streets in the car from a friend, I said, hey, can I sleep in your car for a week? From there to getting an apartment to doing other things to, well, the rest is history after that. <laughs> you're mute, you're mute. Okay, okay. So I, I am guessing from what all, all of you said that you've said in terms of, you know, not trying to, you know, milk the system and so on. If you happen to be prime minister and went off to the funeral for Queen Elizabeth II, you might not have chosen to stay in a hotel and spend $6,000 a night. I would ever be a yeah, I'm surprised at that question. I didn't know how to answer that, but uh, yeah, no, well, no. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, 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 and I don't know if you see. I mean, I, I watch, you know, stuff from Blacklock's reporter comes into my inbox, and some of these stories about what the governor general is spending on a three or four day junket to, to Saudi Arabia or or to or to Germany, and uh, memos about people trying to explain how. How it just the meals, you know, like, well, we everybody on the plane had beef wellington, which is just an ordinary thing you would have on a plane to, to someplace. And, you know, the astronomical bills for, for, for dinners and everything. And I, I think, I mean, that, that, that kind of political elite class is different in some ways than, than the people you're talking about in, in family that are trying to milk the, the foster care system. But there's, but yeah. there's a, a, a thread that connects the sense of, of being able to, to just do that. And of course we'd spend $6,000 a night in a hotel room in, in, in London, you know, or, or what, or whatever it is. And, and, and what it is that 
what 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 kind of fostering of 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 people are supposed to be in key positions of leadership in our society uh, makes them feel like well I can just you know really you know like uh, wreck the budget you know um, <laughs> you know because my impulse would be always to try and you know save responsibly be a good steward of people's of the taxpayer's dollar but apparently there's other people who've ended up with a very different attitude towards what they think that they can and should do with uh with the budget mm, mm. well look I, I i can make a quick comment if you're willing to blackface yourself you you have a high level of arrogance it never even crossed my mind and even if it was suggested, there's so much logic and self-reflection that's in me that would never even contemplate doing that. So to me, that, that speaks a bit volumes on uh, the wiring of this gentleman. Agreed. Okay. On to, on to Morgan. On to Morgan. Okay. Hey, Morgan. I was going to say, I don't know if we can refer to him as a gentleman. That's a stretch. <laughs> that's my diploma. That's my diplomacy there. Yeah. You you know what? I always say I'm fairly diplomatic, but you okay, you're ahead of me. <laughs> you win. <laughs> um yeah, so I wanted to say sorry for your your experience um growing I'm up. I'm not I saw a comment there. Someone said that is sorry. I'm not. Uh, I am who I am today because of everything I went through. God picked the journey, God put the burdens on. I'm as strong as I am today because of them. I'm just, I, I can now take these forward kind of like the men when I talk to them to help others and, and, and relate and understand more. So I'm, I'm really not upset about it. Amen. And I would like to say I grew up in a, yeah, abusive household. Um, my a lot father. of strong people did. And so, and I actually feel exactly the same way. Very, um, you know, would I be here today if I hadn't gone through that experience? And you do tend to learn to navigate different personalities and pick out dis deceit easier because of those experiences. But what I, th I think, uh, I've never considered that with foster care in that they, they don't, there's no separation between problem kids versus children who were removed from a, an abusive household. And I, that yeah. almost seems like a no, should be a no brainer <laughs> to keep that separate. Yeah, that's a tough one though. Like it's a tough one. Like this kid's good enough to go to the good home and then you have a bad home. Like like that's what you were kind of suggesting there. And I, I kind of think exposing bad kids to good kids is good for the bad kids and the bad kids. Maybe rub off on each other, toughen me up a bit, soften them up a bit. It may not be a horrible thing. Interesting. When when I was incarcerated, I actually had the thought, if I end up in the range. You know, I, I, while I, the second time I was incarcerated um, for my gas theft, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I did speak to a woman who she's in and out of jail frequently. And we had some really great conversations. And I just felt like if I end up in here for a while, I'm just going to take advantage of the situation. And maybe there's some people in here that I can help. Um, yeah, so I, let me do a quick apology. 
Jason, yeah, yeah. I absolutely meant for you to be here the whole time, Island Jason. Absolutely meant for I screwed up twice with you now. This is the second time he said he was going to come on for something, and I didn't get the link to him. I'm sorry, Jason. I was flustered. My bad. You get the next question. You're fired. <laughs> no, I love this man. I don't even, I haven't really met him personally, but this, the, you talk about my dedication. This guy's dedication, he is in every chat of every podcast I'm in. It's amazing. Nice shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's got a nice shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I've got to, got to say, I haven't invited specifically Diagonal in any way, shape, or form. You guys just seem to be really cool people that like cool people. So. Kind I saw a comment earlier. Yeah, I saw a comment earlier today that I'm I'm like somebody said I'm I'm like quickest um, up the diagonal chain and then dropped or some crap like that war campaign some war campaign thing like that. I'm like first I didn't even know I'm in it. I didn't fill out an application. Um, I'm not seeking to be in it. I'm just trying to be a journalist. But you guys are around and you guys are nice. Um, we are intimidating terrorists, Jason. I, I missed that memo. I missed that memo. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't get it's it. because you're you're not fully initiated yet. We'll get there. <laughs> no. Um, you know, what? I actually have a quick PVC question. Okay. I recently. If there is a quick one. Yeah, I, I recently got in some hot water. I was on Greg Wycliffe's podcast, and I said mm -hmm. I was talking about running independence and how with every party you're essentially beholden to the party and their values, and that you you know you don't get to necessarily, um, yeah. I mean, sometimes people get the boot, and then I was I was told that that's not the case. Now. I know I saw an article floating around about a PPC member who was booted out of the party. Um, and I don't know if, if you or anyone knows who that was. I think it was in about like 2019, but I've been, I haven't been able to find it since and it's driving me crazy. Okay. Well, I can talk to it a little bit. First, you can um, thank Greg Wycliffe for today's episode. Uh, he's the guest that canceled. So he was supposed to be on today. Had him booked for a couple of weeks. He went camping last minute. Cancelled. First guest, by the way, of all the guests I've had so far, this is the first one to cancel. So, so we have tonight because of Greg. Because I'm normally two or three weeks booked ahead of time. Because uh, I want to make sure people have a lot of time. So thank you, Greg, for uh, going camping. It gave me the opportunity to do this. Um, and then the second part of your question was, I kind of forgot. Uh, what was the second part? Yeah, oh, so the PPC, or the PPC, PPC, PPC. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it would be ridiculous to think that they don't boot people. What kind of party would give you a guarantee during the party, no matter what type of uh, uh, immunity? I think mm -hmm. it would be ridiculous that after five years, there hasn't been at least one time where somebody crossed the line, couldn't work with the team, and then had been asked to leave. I would think it would be expected, at least at this point. Do I have a name of somebody? No. But would it surprise me at all? No, I would think by this time, just for the general law of averages, you're going to have some people that are not going to work out. Um, I wasn't asked to leave and I just left on good terms. And I don't know of anybody that was asked to leave, but I certainly don't think that's a negative if anybody was given the boot. I also don't think it's a negative that they don't have a constitution. If Elections Canada is fine with the registration of the party and there's nothing that they need to do in order to become a party, according to 
uh, Elections Canada. I'm fine. They may have internal trouble and struggles and stuff like that, maybe. But uh, I don't even think that's a requirement. So that question comes up a lot. Uh, why don't they have a constitution? Therefore, they're not a real party. Well, in Canada, you don't need a constitution to be a real party. Um, according to Elections Canada, you just need to register and do some paperwork. So I don't have a, a problem with that. And if they did boot somebody, it's like any employer. Do you say they don't have the right for cause or without cause to get rid of somebody? Of course they do. Um, so I wouldn't see that as a negative. Now, if anybody thinks that you should have guaranteed positions within a party, you're my problem. That kind of thinking would be a problem. Uh, yeah. Nobody should have a guaranteed anything. Uh, you should always be earning it and trying to keep it through, uh, through your actions and not through some sort of arrangement. Yeah, no, I would have to agree there. Um, yeah, but and and at the end of the day, I guess that's why I'm leaning more towards um, outliers. And I don't think just anyone should be running as an independent. I want to make that clear with our project in Nova Scotia. We are trying to vet the people who are interested in running as independents. Um, but yeah, under the, the idea that they're just not beholden to a party. I think that that way there is less um, opportunity for them to be corrupted or paid off. Still mm. possible though. Of course. Oh, for sure. For sure. And like we heard some stories yesterday. Was it yesterday? Who was on? Yeah. Arthur Pulowski. So he was on yesterday and he told us about being offered $2 million to tote the line, get a seat and to take care of him, get rid of his charges. Yeah, it was insane to hear that. And that's not the first time. Uh, Dr. Mackis explained to us how $400,000 was offered to him to shut up. Uh, and that's here in Alberta. So that's weird. Uh, but it happens. No, oh, that's actually the first I've heard of that. That's really interesting. I, I should go back and <laughs> I need to catch up on Archer's newest adventures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was on yesterday. We had a good hour and 40 minutes with him. Yeah. Um, I, I've been writing little love notes to myself throughout this whole, but yeah, I think that was. Gotta a, love yourself. Gotta love yourself. <laughs> my, my little reminders, and then they're they're quite messy. So yeah, I if you want to move on. Um, yeah, yeah. J Jason's been waiting. I know he's been yeah, waiting yeah. for an hour. <laughs> hey, bud. Sorry about that again. That's twice I've done it to you. Um, it's okay, Jason. I, I, you know I cannot believe that you got up this morning and told us how tired you were and then proceeded to continue on with an almost five hour podcast. I mean, you, you're, you're a beast. That's all I can say. I got to tell you, uh, I need a better chair. That's the one thing I think I need yeah. to do. It's, it's not a comfortable chair. You see me wiggling around a lot. Uh, that's because I got to shift around on this chair. It keeps me awake though. So I can't get comfortable enough to fall asleep. Jason, I, I, the question that I that I had, and I put it in the chat earlier, but the question I had is, you know, with the amount of time <clears throat> and energy and effort that you put into the Couts 4, the Coots 4, sorry, um, <clears throat> in the last month that I've witnessed, how do you feel um, about, you know, the way the situation's kind of unraveled? Do you feel betrayed? Do you feel let down? Are you not surprised? Are you indifferent? I know for myself, I've you know, I don't really know the whole situation, but it kind of put a bit of a stain on things for, for a lot of people, I think. And I, you seem to be very resilient and you, you're, you're just, you're with it. So I, I would just be curious to know how you process or deal with those kinds of feelings. <sighs> it's a delicate one. And that's what I have to say about that on the feeling side. 
Um, now, the practical answer here, Jason, is I've dealt with defendants. I've dealt with uh, litigious people. I've dealt with um, a horrible father. I've dealt with um, some horrible things that people shouldn't have to deal with at the ages that I had to deal with them. Um, so this doesn't bother me. I've been called a lot worse by a lot better people, to be honest with you. Um, so that's my attitude on the grand scale. You asked some specific parts, like, did I feel betrayed? No, because I saw the behavior materializing very early when I got into learning and, and, and building these relationships. The relationships that I saw and, and the, the people that I saw were heavily focused, heavily motivated, and heavily oriented towards supporting these men. So on its surface, I have no issue with even what's happening today. Uh, because I do believe, they believe, they're doing the right things. I disagree <laughs> being on the other side, but uh, my experience as a litigator and my experience in business has given me the ability to know that, yeah, you, you may not like what's coming to you on your side, but it doesn't mean it's wrong. So I've, I've learned how to accept the fact that um, people are going to do what they believe is right. In this entire situation, what I take some comfort in knowing is I don't believe that there is malice intent. I don't believe that underneath, and I could be wrong. I was wrong about Rouleau. I've been wrong about many things, uh, but I don't believe that there's any malice intent. I think it's just overprotective and paranoia getting to the better of people. Um, that's what's going on here. Uh, I'm being falsely accused about several things. <laughs> some labels have been thrown at me. Um, some things have been, been tossed in my direction are false. They're absolutely false. Um, they're not even warranted, and they're just completely constructed. I'm also taking some uh, strength in that because, again, I strongly believe in God. I believe in my path. I believe that evil loses in the end, and I believe 100% that it's going to be nothing but mud, arrows, uh, hurdles, and they're going to come worse than this for sure. Um, and I also think that God does give you what you can handle. And, and this is likely just another test to prepare my thick skin so that the next one, which I believe will be Ezra related, uh, I'm more prepared for. Um, I do believe that all the way through my path, I'm going to be hitting larger and larger and larger people who want to stop, silence, or cancel me. Um, because I've, I've gone through that a lot in my life. I can tell you that when I went to law school, Jason, um, these are adults around me. Yes, I was quite a bit older than the rest of them because I went in my late 30s, but there was adults around me. These are people who should know better. And even in that environment, half the classroom tried to have me canceled, kicked out. Um, didn't work, <laughs> it didn't work. Smarter people, uh, the, the administration saw, for, saw it for what it was. It was some immature, jealous people led by the number two of the classroom against the number one of the classroom. That was really, that was all that was going on there. And as an adult, I, I saw it as clear as day. But as younger adults, uh, they thought that they could just gang up. They thought that if I, we just get the numbers, we can go ahead and make anything happen. Um, we see that in, in leftist culture a lot where they think loud noise, lots of people, is enough to get anything to happen, even injustice. Uh, in my case, the injustice didn't happen. That was good. And I also believe in this case, I'm, I'm good too. I did nothing wrong. I am keeping some secrets, private secrets, because what's the point? 
there's no reason to go and start burning anybody's reputation at all, even if they are trying to do the same thing. Because until these men are out and until their lives are back to normal, we only have one job here. Um, I don't understand why uh, me being off my mission is good for anybody. I don't understand why me pulling back my exposure and saying no to shows is a good idea. I simply reject that. And uh, that's the type of MP that I plan to be. Even if people are threatening me, pressuring me, giving me ultimatums and giving me the or else's, like I said earlier, that's my sign and those are my triggers to move forward with what it is you don't like me doing. Because if you want to stop me, I actually now know, I want to know why you want to stop me. Um, we were buddies for six weeks. Now all of a sudden I'm on, I'm on the out and nobody can actually pinpoint the reason for that. There's allegations and twisting of words, but not a single person I've challenged can actually tell me why I was thrown on the out on Thursday. Um, they can talk about Saturday because just like how the media does it, they'll go pick something twisted and, and distract and point at that. But nobody's talking about Thursday. That's because I'm not going to go public with it. But I am confident that my position is strong and is proper. And I'm definitely going to be contributing my personal funds uh, directly to the family. I won't be doing it to uh, Margaret. You know, uh, that's that's kind of... I, I have never seen... I mean, I've only been watching and following you since uh, you had Jeremy on. And, um, I guess so that's what a month or, or so. But <clears throat> but I've, like you said, I've been watching every every stream and every show. And I, and the integrity that I've seen through from you is it, it, it re, I was actually quite surprised to see the attacks coming at you. And like you said, there's no, there's no, um, articulation on what that attack's about. Uh, I, you know, perseverance, I guess, in, in the face of, of difficulty will, will, uh, it's all, I suppose. Um, but yeah. I think, like everything else, I'll just get stronger from it. I'll be more prepared next time. I'll learn what not to do. Don't respond. Don't engage. Step back for a bit. Like, I'm learning even through this right now. Well, I do have to say that, you know, um, in my communications, backdoor communications, like with Granny and, and um, a couple of the other people that were, on, I guess, against you, they never said anything disparaging about you. They just said that they were pulling away. So, you know, I think everybody's kind of, Maybe it's confusion. I don't know. Maybe it, it's somebody mm -hmm. figuring it out, nope. spinning us around. But I got to tell you that, you know, we just got to keep doing this. I went to, I got my lunch break. I went over to Shoppers Drug Mart and sent four more letters to the boys. And, uh, you know, sure. there's no need for them to know about this. I don't, don't know. But, you know, I, all I think about at the end of the day is what it would be like to where I was 541 days ago, you know, the, the, the camping trips, the fishing trips, the meals, you know, all this I've had with my children over that last year and a half, I, I can't imagine having that taken away from me simply because, you know, a guy like Steven Johnson <laughs> thinks it's the best thing to do. I, I do not understand how they can get away with this. It's, it, that That's what motivates me to keep coming here and, and talking about it. Yeah, yeah and, and just to kind of hopefully address a little bit more of this issue, I think this is actually a good thing. Um, they seem to be far more motivated and unified than they ever were. And they seem to be pushing hard on their fundraising. Great. Um, I'm heading in my direction. I'm going to keep doing great. I th think in the end, if there is some animosity or some desire to outdo the other side. If that's happening, that's good. This is a, a, a well-operating uh, 
um, economy when you, know, you have competition like that. I don't think it was necessary, <laughs> but if they're more motivated now to unify, get out there, do some things they haven't done before, learn how to make videos, move, move that stuff out there, I'm for that. And if I got to take some mud, but in the end they are stronger and they can raise more money, go for it. All I wanted to say and be out loud was I have an issue with trust now. There's a trust issue that has happened. I wish it could be addressed. It won't be addressed publicly because I'm not the one who's going to do that. Um, they won't either. But privately, if there's an, an idea or a desire to correct that situation, and the people involved know exactly what I'm speaking about, then yeah, I think absolutely it could all be thrown away and, and we can all just jump into a shower and get that mud off. I've been around the block a few times. I know what egos are involved. I understand what the issue is. It's a big one. Um, it's up to them. So I can say on that one. Uh, but then I think you were nodding yeah. your hand up. Yeah. So I did, uh, I did want to sort of dive into that a bit, um, regarding like the competition. So, you know, as Ray was saying earlier on, really he was looking for stories on this particular case and looking for video and finding very little. And then suddenly, you know, you're on the scene taking an interest and now there's all of a sudden like experts um, who are like running Twitter spaces and, you know, they, they know it it's all. Amazing. It's amazing. So I, I guess I wanted to know what your thoughts are with like the, it now seems like there's a competition or a degree of people trying to control, you know, who's closest with the families and who yeah, knows more about this and, you know, who's a real insider and who's an imposter. Um, you know, what are your thoughts about maybe on the media side of things, you know, people who are now, it would seem in competition with you and competition for the story. Well, if you've seen my last, there's two at least, uh, my Viva Fry interview and my Shadow, Shadow Davis interview, both yesterday. These are all post uh, the attack on me. Uh, these are all things that happened. I did those interviews after all of this stuff. And again, with the knowledge of what happened last week. Uh, but if you watch those and you pay close attention to it, um, I'm still doing my job. Okay. This is where I was asked at the beginning to be a good journalist. What are the things you can do? And one of them was to remove my bias. Even if I dislike on a certain level, a certain person or a group of people or even movement or opinion, I still don't let that stop the journalism part. Um, so if you watch carefully both of those interviews, not only was I supportive, um, Shadow Davis, I brought to his attention Jacqueline's story. And I also did this on Viva's uh, podcast as well. Jacqueline's story is a very, very important one uh, because that's the hell within the hell. And if you don't know that story, you have to go and pay attention to it. That's not a push because I'm the only one that has her video she announced it on my video she was the first interview that she ever did is my interview uh i'm announcing it because people don't know that story either um so on viva's podcast i highlighted that jacqueline's story needs to be listened to you need to be paying attention to it because being the wife of was enough to get her into a lot of trouble headache and she's still going through it now and it's horrible like what she's going through they're keeping her away so i completely understand why the Jacqueline specifically, and I get, I interviewed her for three hours, plus I also knew her behind the scenes. She is an amazing person, 
but she's a very unique person because not many people in the world are going through what she's going through. It's a very unique situation. There isn't a world full of wives that are also charged and they can't talk to their husbands who are charged. That's a very unique situation, which also puts her in a very unique mental state. There's not a lot of people that can relate, help her, and take her through it. So she is an island. She's an island in this entire thing. I was highlighting that for the simple purpose that that story has to be told. I was also told on Shadow Davis's show that Margaret's been on twice. You didn't know her story, Jacqueline's story. Look, I'm not upset. I'm not annoyed. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a reporter. My job is to report what I know. So if you want to have a family liaison who's absolutely going to talk great about the men and bring attention to the men, that's great. There's a time and place for that. Uh, on our show, we made that every Friday. Every Friday, we had the men's story. But the first four days was about the legal, it was about the guns, it was about other things. But the Friday was always about the men. So there's a place for that, for sure. But there's also a very important place to report the facts, the whole story, and the entire story. There was a definite attempt on their side to block a large chunk of the story, a large chunk of the story. And I don't need to pull witnesses forward, but it's very, very clear that Marco was off limits completely, completely off limits, including uh, I scheduled an August 25th interview with him on my afternoon show. He's on the POEC. He's part of the POEC. And there's no way, and I had to argue this, there's no way I can exclude him because even that will look bad. It will look like I'm taking sides. Like, why am I not talking to Marco? He's on the POEC list. He, I, I've openly said I'm going to be speaking to this man at some point. I've also said that about Justin Trudeau. So don't be mad if I book him. This was a conversation I had to have. <laughs> like, I had to have this conversation. And then I was granted permission to go ahead and have him on my afternoon show. Immediately, I'm telling you, that is not how I operate. That's not the way I wanted to work. And that's not how I wanted to do this. But to keep the peace for quite some time, that's exactly how I was operating. It came to a head last week when other additional demands and an incident happened. I'm not controllable. So at the end of the day, uh, if the deciding factor is whether or not I'm going to go speak to Marco on whether or not I can continue to have relationships with Jerry, I'm sorry, I'm now blocked from talking to Jerry. I can't, he's, he's, he blocked me on the app. I, I, that's the consequence. Um, we have to take our lickings, I guess. But I now got to talk to Marco, and I now understand. Uh-uh. This is a lot of false narratives that were created, constructed, and put out there for a long, long time. He's a fed. He's a thief. He does all these bad things. Not true. Okay? And in the simple fact, the simple act of asking this person, is it possible that you are not correct about Marco? Blew her up. She was mad. Very, very mad. Again, in front of witness, absolutely not. I know what I'm talking about. You don't know the half of it. Yada, yada, yada. Don't bring him up again was the messaging. Like, geez, like that's frustrating to me because what if you are wrong and you're chastising this guy, publicly destroying him, making sure a lot of people, including an entire group of a community against this guy. And what has he done? You've had your suspicions about him. That's it. At best, you have your suspicions about him. This is what I was up against. So making the decision to have Jeremy McKenzie on my show was a death nail. And going ahead and booking Marco for my afternoon show was the final straw. 
and being told I cannot go on InfoWars because it's too much attention and somebody else needs to do it, that was the, the door closer. There was not much more to do about that. And I'm still keeping the piece of information private because there's a very serious allegation that needs to be investigated that I can't bring private or public. So, and I guess that's going to tie into where I'm going with this. So now there's been people who kind of want to control the narrative and control, you know, like who has access to what. Um, mm -hmm. Since now this, uh, this case has become, I would say, a focus of the freedom movement uh, in Canada, particularly like all everyone's guns are now focused on this particular case. Um, we are a freedom community that can raise $10 million twice in yeah. you know 10 days really you know it doesn't take much for us to to raise a fortune um what about transparency regarding finances what do you know about that because money must be coming in now and you know is there only one set of eyes on that money or are there multiple sets of eyes on that money um, I can I can speak to uh, you know during the convoy when there was lots of money coming in um, there were people who were clearly honest, the, you know, absolutely the most honest. And then there were people, the volume of money that was coming in, you could see their eyes start to saucer, right? And they'd never seen so much money in their lives. And, you know, you could see that there was like an ethical battle happening mm. inside them. And, you know, since the convoy, I mean, the drama about the money and the money in escrow and all of that, like, there's been no shortage of drama about the money. Um, but I'm wondering, um, what do you know about, about like the fundraising and who's watching the fundraising? And is there any transparency on that level? Okay, so I'll be careful with that one, because some of that I don't have the answer to. I don't know okay. what they're doing when it comes to record keeping and that kind of transparency. I don't know. They okay. could be keeping uh, perfect records. They could have two people checking it, two signatories, whatever. I don't know the details of okay. uh, any fundraising that's going on. I do know it's heavily controlled and it's all being pushed into the direction of two people, okay. Jacqueline and, and Margaret. Um, okay. In fact, the entire family is... I want to be careful of this next part because I, I don't think bullied is the correct word, but um, they don't want to rock the boat because money is coming in. As simple as that. Um, whether or not they have full transparency, the family, whether or not they have full transparency, I can't testify to that either. I've had information that leads me to believe that they don't know who gets what. And then I have people making statements that it's a it's 25, 25, 25, 25. It's split evenly. So I've had people say both things are going on so i i can't say any of that i think the families so this will be mike lysick betty carbert uh tess olenick and well jacqueline's doing a great job so jacqueline is absolutely watching the pennies for sure but those other three i think should ask for audit at some point um and this is because suspicions were raised absolutely not just in when I personally gave money because I was contributing my book sale money to them. To every book I sold ha in front of people, half the cash went to uh, Margaret. Um, so I, I personally contributed to it. Um, I didn't get receipts and I'm assuming being tracked. So I'm, I'm going to leave it at that because that's where that was at. 
I can tell you that there was $100,000 that came in and I was told to shut up about it. I don't even know why I was told about it to begin with uh, because I was then told to be quiet about it. I don't know if it was braggadocious or just very excited or what the reason to tell me about it when the very next statement was to don't tell anybody about it. Sorry, I broke that one. I didn't make a promise though. That was a demand made to me. So with things like that, I'm like, I'm not sending my money there. So we'll murder people for $10,000, right? Like that's sure. probably what it costs, you know, 10, 20 grand to get your, you know, uncle offed. So when you're talking about $100,000 coming in, in one chunk, um, we are the community that can raise millions. Uh, it's, it's the kind of thing where sunlight is the best disinfectant on, on this. Yeah. So, and, and I know that that's where people get crazy. And I am wondering with a lot of, you know, sort of like there's, you know, not just the key players, but the outside onion layers of people who are getting upset and involved, if they um, were considering um, that there's now, and I, I think there's more than one concern or one player of concern. There's sort of multiple players of concern. And um, we just need to recognize that that kind of those sums of money in these particular economic times and that that kind of money will make people crazy and, and make them forget their value system. It's my comment. Yeah. So. So all I was told about the money was $16,000 came in the first week more than normal. The first, after the first week, I was told, Margaret, uh, we got $16,000 more. Let's keep going. This show's great. I'm like, yes, 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 of course. Shortly after that, she told me about the 100000 It was an anonymous donor. One time. Don't talk about it. Okay. And that's, that's, that's kind of the things I have to deal with. And that's not the big secret. Okay, I'm not keeping that secret. I never committed to keeping that as a secret, and I don't keep these secrets. If you want somebody to keep a secret, donation. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I do tell people this. I had somebody reach out to me just a few days ago, and he's a, somebody I respect. And he said, hey, look, here's an encrypted line. I want to talk to you. And I said, sorry, I don't do that. Um, simply, I just simply don't do it. I don't want to get into a conversation that I have to try and keep secret or is needed to be encrypted. Uh, there's a whole bunch of reasons because I'm a paranoid globalist that I know the encryption is garbage. And if you are using encrypted, that's just like me being told, don't do something. I'm going to be highlighted to that. I'm going to take a closer look. So if you want to be secret, you want to use things like um, the dark web. Uh, yeah, none of that's really secret, guys. Uh, you're just telling them that you're doing secrets so they look harder. And also, I don't want to have that in my background. I don't want to have at any point where somebody says, do you have skeletons and secrets? I simply don't want to have that. So I do avoid those questions and I do avoid those conversations. And I tell people, I'm a journalist and a politician. Don't tell me something you don't want me to know. Like as simple as that, because this is my job. I'm a journalist and a politician. If you want to keep secrets, take it to somebody else. But when you're ready to go public with it, you talk to a journalist politician, not before. So I never did keep secrets with uh, this team at all. I never promised to keep secrets with this team at all. I have no idea why I was told that if I was then expected to keep it a secret, but that happened. That absolutely happened. Now, I don't know if it means anything. Maybe $25,000 went to every single family member later that week. I don't know. But I would ask the family to maybe consider doing an audit and pay close attention. $16,000 the first week my show was on and then $100,000 shortly after that. Can you find it? If you can, great. 
Okay. Okay, I see the comments section going pew, pow, 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 pow. So I yeah, I'm just I'm just wondering that now that there seems to be like finances attached to this and um there's there's a desire to control the narrative. Is there anything that you can share with us about um I suppose some of the drama that came out of uh Rebel News's participation, you know, the the money that they raised. Um there's there lots. You can, I know, I know that you know more than you can share. And so I'm wondering what you mm, can. I can share. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can oh. share. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a reporter, which I won't share his name. Okay. Um, I don't even know who the heck he was, but he has information. He's reached out. I guess he saw the spat with Ezra. He reached out and, and asked some questions. And I basically pointed him right to my Twitter feed because that's all the answers he was looking for. Um, I am aware I made a tweet a while ago that said, Ezra, I have information that you contacted a lawyer in the family and offered to cover it. Great job. I'm really happy with you. Can you confirm or deny this? I reached out to a, a rebel reporter friend of mine and I asked, can you confirm this or deny this? Because this is big if he's doing this. And the way it was reported to me was, yeah, he called personally. No response out of Ezra at all. And I'm starting to doubt it now. Like, oh my gosh, I just put out there that um, Ezra might be covering the legal fees. And that's a big, important thing. Mm -hmm. But is it true? Well, two of the men told me about it. So I thought it was true. I got two sources now. So I doubled down and I sent out another tweet. I'm like, look, can you tell me if this is true or not? I kind of want to know. No response, no response, no response. Um, that became a bit of an embarrassment for me because I didn't know if it was true or not. And now I put it out there twice that maybe he did it. Then I got a detailed description of what happened. Um, he absolutely did. Um, so on the 17th of July, uh, he did. He called and he offered the money. On the 25th of July, 26th of July, correct that, because it's the day after the last day he was in court. So he was in court on the 24th and 25th, live streaming or live tweeting the events. He wasn't there on the 26th and on. On the 26th, he called the lawyers and canceled it. So he said he's not covering it because somebody sent out a tweet. The information was leaked. I got the messages. I got the text on all of this. Um, this is all sourceable. Um, that he was not happy with the information getting out. That happened. And now we just found out today via Marco that on Sunday, Ezra contacted him and cut off his legal as well. So as recent as this Sunday, uh, he cut off Marco's uh, funding because Marco was pushing him back, asking him why he's not funding the four guys. So there was a fight between the two of them, and he got cut off. Those are all the details I have about the funding right now. And there's a reporter putting something together, and it's going to be broken. Whoo! Stay tuned. <laughs> that's like that's, I'm uh, expecting the next wave to be Ezra and his fanboys and stuff like that. I'm expecting that to come because this is true. It's 100 true. Um, it's sourced by the family itself. I, I don't see. I don't see. Like I mean. Uh, you know, and I don't want to trash anybody I don't particularly know, but I don't actually see a huge fanboy collective, um, you know, when it comes to that, like, Rebel News. You know, I think we're fondish of some reporters and we like-ish what they do, but, you know, uh, there, there's no doubt that we, we have now seen corruption at every level that it, we would, we're desensitized to corruption that we see in, you know, semi-largish media organizations. It just wouldn't surprise us at this point. Yeah. And, and there's an email with the 
my contacts with the family apologizing to them for being that tweet that he's referring to. Um, because if I didn't send that, then maybe they would have covered the fees and secretly or whatnot. Uh, so there was some guilt and remorse around that. But again, um, I'm reporting what I sourced. I got two sources on it. I'm reporting the news. Um, I'm sorry that uh, somebody used that as an opportunity to punish someone else. Uh, and that sucks. Um, but I don't take responsibility for that. Um, someone else made a decision to act on my actions and, and do something different. So it's, it's on them. And that's what I'm also seeing here with this attack. Uh, there's a couple of people here who jumped on board with this group of people and continued attacks on me or amplified the attacks on me. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever fully understand what they were doing, but I do know because they've now said so uh, that it was an animosity based relationship from the very beginning. Um, and I've run into those many, many times throughout my life. It sucks, but I, I don't lose sleep over them uh, because quite frankly, but then on paper, we would have made one hell of a team, one hell of a team, all of us together. My gosh, like we would have moved right. the world. Right. Right. And, and that's, and that's it, you know, and then suddenly I won't work with him and they won't work with us. And then you're being excluded over here and, and and that is almost like Justin Trudeau and the crown are laughing as they watch us eat ourselves again. Yeah, but, well, I've had that a few times. People are saying like the men are hurt or something. Actually, I don't think the men are fine. So when it comes to their legal representation, they, they don't know what's going on. Nor do they care. They're still focused on, on getting ready for court. The men themselves are being pulled apart because the information is getting to them. Jerry has blocked me. And uh, Lysik has brought his concerns to me. We still talk, we still text, but there are some frustration to the men directly because they are bringing the information to the men internally. And I'm not, I'm not because I have nothing to talk about other than reassure them that everybody's fine out here. Uh, There is no fight out here. There's just a bubble of mean girls is kind of a way to look at it. Um, but we're, we're reaching more and more people, more and more people are watching, more and more people are getting involved, more and more letters are sent. Jason just sent four of them today. So I don't think that the actual effort on the men are damaged or stopping or, or anything like that, but it could be better. (laughs) It certainly could be better if we're more unified and I didn't have to worry about what's coming in my next uh, tweet. Like right now there's a, there's a level of stress when I go through my Twitter feed because I'm seeing an amazingly awkward public uh, display of dislike for me. Not really used to that. Right. I'm an introvert. I don't normally put myself out like that. Um, But again, if you're going to be an MP right out of the bat, 50% of people are going to hate you. So I think I'm, I'm going through this uh, experience for a reason and, and I'll take it on. Oh yeah, you'll get used to it, trust me. <laughs> and yeah, honestly, yeah. Yeah, like you'll get to the point where it's becomes laughable and and on and and you'll just respond to them. But you, yeah, in your pursuit of the truth, I think that is inevitable. Um I just wanted to touch on Joan Sharp had mentioned she had a comment that said Marco who and I don't know how to pronounce his last name either. No. Van Are you asking me? <laughs> is it who how do Hugenbaum. I'll get Van the spelling Hugenbaum. of it. Van Hugenbaum. Oh, you don't say the H. I know that. So, Hugenbaum. Hugenbaum. Wiegenbaum. Ray, you want to take a chat, crack at it? Can you say his name? Okay. I, I, th- I think it's Marco Van Hugenbaum. Hugenbaum? Hugenbaum? I think so. All right. All right. Well, he well, was. A, he was a, we're echoing we're on you right now. 
Yeah, he was part of the POEC. He was one of the main uh, leaders, not organizers. Um, and he spent uh, four and a half hours with us today telling us all about him. Uh, but he was definitely, definitely, and I, I've also got the messages. Uh, she, she emailed it to me. Uh, he was put on the do not talk list. Wasn't giving me a reason other than he's a thief and he stole money. And really all the same things that um, I find it really odd that this particular group is, is saying a whole bunch of people are doing uh, fundraising fraud and uh, not doing things in the interest of the men. I think it's funny that they're throwing out those allegations. They should be careful with the rocks in the glass house. Um, but yeah, so I, I ignored that request and spoke to him four and a half hours. I think he's a normal Canadian who got involved and he himself has gone through a lot of slander. Yeah, and then I had a couple other comments if I can butt in. Um, yeah, it's, I was, there's a couple things. Jeremy and I are confused about um, yeah, Jacqueline's not wanting to bring attention to these four poor, poor men. I can't even begin to imagine. I've only spent eight days in solitary confinement. I can't even imagine what 500 plus days in remand would be like. I So I would want, I would think that you would want all the attention in the world on these four men right now. Yeah, well, no. I got some comments returned to me. Uh, she did not like my uh, Infowars appearance. I was cringy. Um, I was self-centered. I was focusing on my career. Um, I did not tell them what to ask me. They asked me whatever they wanted. And I did return back to the coots at the end of every answer if I could. Um, and my, the men were 100% on my mind the entire time. And I actually took uh, some offense to the fact that I wasn't doing that. Uh, I most certainly was, and I'll continue to do that regardless of what these people say. Yeah, and then also earlier you had mentioned, you were talking about the judge. I can't come up with the judge's name at the moment. Um, but so I had heard comments, you felt that they were unbiased, but I have heard people say that that judge in particular has donated multiple times potentially even a dozen times to the Liberal Party. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard that. Yeah, I, I've heard that recently. So recently somebody mentioned that to me that uh, he's a donor to the Liberal Party. But, but then my answer to you is, are, do we want judges that never donate to a political party? Because they're going to donate to some party possibly at some point. So is that a pre-qualifier? I, I don't think so. Mm, yep. No, that's fair. Um, but it, I don't know, though. Or should it be like if you're serving in the military and you're not, I don't know. I don't know if they. Now you're getting, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, now you're getting into <laughs> bigger government. You're getting into bigger government. So I'm going to push you the other way. I'm going to yeah. say people can do whatever they want. Um, here's what we got to do. We got to pay attention to his decision. Is there an error in law? If there is, we can appeal. And that's why we have the whole appeal process. Um, I, I think we should judge the judge once he's done judging. Uh, not before that. I think you have to be oh, careful. God. I've seen a lot of times where a judge, you would think, oh my God, I'm going to jail. And then all of a sudden he's charging the other side. It's like, oh, wow. It's like, how'd you get there? And you mm -hmm. find out that maybe he was cozying to that side to get all the information he was looking for. And then later hey, this the is where this is where my bias is potentially going to get me in trouble because I, you know, um, I've only, uh, I've been through one peace bond hearing. I have two different 
sets of criminal charges I'm going up in a summary offense. But so far, I've gone through a peace bond hearing. I felt that I very strongly that I would win. And I did get a very liberal judge who mm -hmm. and I, I don't know, I need to appeal that whole but but actually I filed a peace bond against someone and it backfired and stuck against me instead. So that is I'll say that's my bias coming out. No, and, and that will happen. Absolutely, that will happen. And if you're a defense attorney your entire career, you're going to have a bias towards, they're always prosecuting innocent people. And mm -hmm. if you're the prosecutor, you're always dealing with liars because everybody denies all the allegations. Like there's built-in biases all over the place. Um, and you really can't get yourself paranoid about the judge because what are you really asking for? You're asking for AI, if you really think about it people are asking for a computer to start making decisions because that's the only way you're going to get an unbiased, never donated, never said nice things about somebody person is a computer. So let's be careful. <laughs> Which way do we want to go? Do we want to start trusting people or try and force people into this box that doesn't exist, which includes you can't have an opinion and then say, okay, well, let's make our legal system based on that. No, I would prefer to look at appeals and look at errors. I know they're costly. I understand that. But the alternative is far scarier to me. Um, mm -hmm. If an AI judge is, our, is the way we solve this particular problem, I think we've made a huge mistake. So if we have a liberal judge doing liberal things, it may catch up to her or him, especially if they do things that break the law or errors in law or the record is appealed a lot. Like, just so you know, the biggest paranoia that judges have are appeals. They absolutely don't want them <laughs> and they hate them. It's just like saying you screwed up. That three months that you were doing that work, all that hard work, that decision you did, throw it out because you're you're trash. So mm -hmm. judges are very paranoid about appeals. So this usually is a good way to keep them in check. That's kind of what the check and balance for judges is, is we can appeal you. Uh, and yeah. by the way, both sides will threaten the judge all the time with that one. Are you sure you're going to do that? Because that sounds appealable. Like they throw that threat at the judge all the time because it's a valid one. And then that is the check and balance that we have. I know it's not perfect. And I don't think we're ever going to get to a perfect system unless you're open to having AI. And even then, that scares the crap out of me. Um, yeah. so to push back it a little bit, uh, I'm sorry that you had that liberal judge. Um, would you have felt better if it was a conservative judge that threw out the justice system and said, you can have what you want? You may have no, liked yeah. it during that day, but if the, your opponent had that kind of treatment, you wouldn't be happy with that. Right. And no, at the end of the day, we just want the law to be upheld and for our evidence to be. It's the best system we got. Barely. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. And in that case, I. I push people to file appeals all the time and I need to do the same or at least mm -hmm. file a complaint in, in regards to that case. Now, what I'd like to see for justice reform, our appeals are easier to file. They're not so expensive. And part of the trouble with appeals is, for example, in a civil case, um, if there's an award, let's say I sued you and I got an award of $10,000 and you said, well, I'm appealing it. Well, before you can file your appeal, you have to put the $10,000 up. And that's, that's to cover the security of the judgment. You can't mm -hmm. appeal a judgment unless you cover the security of it or the award of it. So your first barrier to full justice for you is to put up all that money. And then you have to cover your appeal separately. So there's a problem in the justice system when it comes to that. And I, I don't think it's fair. Um, 
you can actually persecute somebody all the way to bankruptcy and they can't even afford appeals because the award you got against them is so astronomical that they can't cover the security to get an appeal. Mm. And Amber Heard, ran, Amber Heard ran into this. So Amber Heard wanted to file an appeal, but she had to put up all the money first. She couldn't. Uh, so that ended her appeal uh, ambitions. Mm. Yeah, no, and I... I think that's the most discouraging part about our judicial system is that there is so much pressure to get legal representation, don't represent yourself. And, you know, it just seems like you, your innocence depends on your financial status. And that's mm -hmm. really unfortunate. Yeah. The biggest bad, baddest bear I've ever had to come against me was my own dad, my own dad. And he said to my face, it doesn't matter who's right, who has the most time and the most money that's going to win. And of course, he's well off. And yeah, I had to go through that. So I learned those harsh lessons. You're not wrong. And innocent until proven guilty, it actually it means the government is innocent until proven guilty when it comes to criminal charges. Um, you absolutely have to prove your innocence in, the, in our current system. No, no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I was 15 years old when I first went through the judicial process, and it was very eye-opening. For me, This it was 2005, long before the Me Too movement, so it was yeah, a very interesting experience going up against a very wealthy man. And so at the end of the yeah. day, I think I ended up signing... What did, do you, anyone remember in the book To Kill a Mockingbird? I believe that he signed a document under duress, but he signed it with his non-dominant hand. And I was in high school. I had just read this novel. And did so you really? I had to. I actually didn't know what to do, but I, my parents were paying my legal fees and they were up against a wall and I didn't want them to get buried in this legal endeavor and so i was yeah. sitting there crying signing this document that said i made the entire thing up which was not true at all and i signed it with my left with my okay. non morgan. <laughs> morgan i'm so sorry you did that and i'm so sorry you have to go through that but you're not wrong the justice system is meant to force compromise and settlements that is how it is designed and you're not wrong it is a rich person's game at this stage for sure um, it is access to justice and fairness and justice are something that's deep in my heart as well because I've been through the wrong side of that and it's horrible. Now, I was going to go to the next person with the cool glasses, but but then put on some cool glasses a moment ago. So yeah, I'm not sure if it's going to be Ray or, or Bethan. It's, it's, uh, just, but just quick, I, I guess about that is, is again that we are a, a movement that can raise a lot of money very quickly and then we can disintegrate very quickly over over money um, because we do need money to support ourselves in these legal battles. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think part of what we need to do is develop transparent systems that, you know, say we raise a certain amount of money that gets certain people out of trouble. Well, can we do it again and do it again? And um, the only way we're going to be able to replicate it, if, if, if there's some form of transparency involved in the process, otherwise it's just like, ah, you know, who knows where the money went. Um, yeah, yeah. And I agree with that. I, we had a comment on our show today from Molly something, and she said transparency and fundraising. I'm like, absolutely. I didn't think it would be a controversial statement to say send the money directly to the lawyers. But in my case, in this last few weeks, that was a very controversial statement. Uh, that was my statement that was taken and twisted and turned into 
not advocating for the current fundraising, which is not what I said. <laughs> what I said was if your intent was for it to go to legal, send it to the legal. If your intent is to support a fundraiser, support the fundraiser. But don't start thinking that it all goes to the legal because there's going to be expenses and, and things they have to cover and they got to cover certain things. So if you want 100% of your money to go just to the legal, send it to legal. I didn't think that would be such a controversial statement. Uh, Ray, do you want to take the next question? Sure. I just, uh, I think that I, I would, uh, I would think that maybe having something on your show um, about transparency and I mean, we are, we, you know, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I know you a little bit from being on a few of your shows and watching your show, but you know, here we are together, a group of people on a forum uh, asking you questions. We're strangers. And, and so in addition to transparency, you could talk about, devote part of a show to what do we need to do to create um, a solid framework for a movement of people who are trying to uh, raise issues around justice for four people who've been in jail with or in custody without bail for four, 541 days and to create the kind of framework that would make us not sabotage or go off the rails or, <laughs> you know, like, like I would hope that in the next three to six months or more that what happens to this movement, we just don't end up having a big food fight. So, so how do we, <laughs> how do we move forward? Uh, maybe we need to have a conversation, maybe you need to have a, a conversation uh, on one of your shows about, you know, uh, best practices for, you know, you know, moving forward so that so that we end up building each other up because we are mostly strangers and mm -hmm. there needs to be trust. Yeah. Sounds like maybe a new book title, Jason. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, I know who I'll dedicate it to. I'll tell you that um, for sure. <laughs> um, look, let me answer that one. So because of my legal background, I understand what the legal trust is. So there's a legal trust. These are bank accounts that you, the lawyer, do not own the money to. That belongs to the depositor, the client, until it's been billed against. So one of the mechanisms, Ray, a real easy mechanisms for amateurs to do is to provide proper instructions for the trust account. This would be very simple. And this is what I've been talking about behind the scenes, which is you give the instructions to the lawyers that say, these are for the legal fees for the team. And keep in mind, these four men really have two lawyers, really just one, who's running the show. Uh, it would be Tony's lawyer, Tony, who has an entire law firm, and she's taken a lion's share. And then Greg, who's Jerry's lawyer, is definitely contributing, and he's part of it. Um, but he, he's a single lawyer, and he's not the biggest firm. He's not the one handling most of the hours. It's Tony's lawyer. And then the other two gentlemen have legal aid lawyers. So you don't contribute to legal aid lawyers. Taxpayers do. Um, so the mechanism that was proposed was send it to the lawyers with the instructions that any overpayment or unused portion gets distributed to the foreman equally. The lawyers would then under an undertaking, which is a legal requirement, which means they can lose their license if they don't do it, will have to execute on that. How transparent is that? The lawyer themselves will require you to have an accounting of the money coming in where it came from because they can't accept money if they don't know where it's coming from. That's one of the law society's rules. You actually have to know where the source of that money is. Therefore, if the money is in a trust fund, legal trust fund, 
as far as I'm concerned, that is as transparent as it gets. And then when this is all over, it goes to the men in quarters. That's what caused this kickoff, folks. I want to be very clear that the uh, requirement to tell the public that all the money has to go through one particular fundraiser is what all of this push is, if you actually look at it for what it is. Get rid of the swear words, get rid of the allegations against me, and just look at it. Um, this entire push against me, all parties involved, are to allocate one person as the public person for all fundraising. That's just not the case. Um, it can be that person or the family. I've been just directed by Chris Lysick. Uh, that's the case. It can go to Margaret or the family directly. Uh, that would be his preference. I think it should go all the way to the lawyers and that any accounting could be done by them. Um, but that was a recommendation, not a requirement. And I most certainly don't have the authority and neither do they uh, to dictate to the public where they can send their money. I was highlighting my concerns around the current source. I'm not sending my money there. I will be sending it in a different way. Yeah. Sorry, who was that? Okay. Yeah. So I think I think that uh, well, I think that that's that that certainly is a big a big piece of it, and uh, and the the other aspect in addition to the transparency and financing, is also uh, for uh, you know this growing movement with with more and more people finding out about this. Uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt wouldn't hurt your show at all to have a portion of it looking at not only the financing and transparency but also uh, you know, how, how do you, how do you build a movement? I mean, I don't know, Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr., whoever in the past or Gandhi, but, but there have been people who've spent time thinking about that so that you don't end up having, wasting your time on e egos and all kinds of stuff. And I know that we're all human and that's going to happen, but, but maybe once in a while having a conversation about how we can bring our best selves forward is useful in, in some way at this point. Yeah, and it, yeah, that yeah. could make for a good subject. Um, what I'd have to find is somebody who ran into a problem or, or ran one good. And I'm looking at you, but then you might actually help me out because there's some around the whole freedom thing. Like how was fundraising done? Was there coordination? Was there transparency? We're not here to call people out. We're there to yeah. improve the process so that the next time it, there isn't animosity or egos get involved. I think that there are models out there that don't work and um, and especially don't work long term. And then there's models out there that do work and or may work better, maybe not perfectly, but, you know, they're they're better models. And um, I know that, like, for example, a group called Veterans for Freedom, um, mm -hmm. they started an initiative where they're supporting, let's say, three different cases. Um, every month and and so members of v4f we can give five dollars a month ten dollars a month um but if you have ten thousand members everybody giving in 10 bucks monthly well that's a hundred grand a month um going towards you know it could be getting a seeing a service dog for a veteran or it could be going towards you know, so-and-so's legal case or, you know, there, there's plenty of causes and issues to dedicate that money towards. Um, but what it requires is good stewardship of that money and um, <clears throat> and transparency around that when, when that's the initiative, right, to fundraise. But mm -hmm. and then over 
over time, your brand develops um, a reputation for being trustworthy with the funding. Um, so, but, you know, we are now wrought with like even remnants from the convoy of scandal and, you know, accusations and who ran away with the Ethereum and like all of, like it makes your head want to blow up. And, and then there was just so much cash when they took away the bank accounts and when they took away the Bitcoin, then people just, you know, collected big water bottles full of cash and, and then, started getting distributed amongst the truckers and that it was the cash almost that made people the craziest. Um, even though there was witnesses to like counting it and witnesses to putting it in, in envelopes. Um, it's somehow that there's not a, uh, like a digital, uh, paper trail that makes people really nervous. So, um, I do think that there is room in this movement for, um, or an organization or organizations to be able to fundraise and to be good stewards of the money. And then after every kind of event when, you know, that goes over well and, you know, the books all add up and the accounting is good. Well, people are more likely to trust that brand again. Um, and so I, I do see that there's potential for that. Um, but you know, it depends on who you leave in charge of the money because things can get really ugly really, really fast. And, you know, like people are on a campaign for 540 days to rip some people's reputations apart. Where's the money? So, yeah, yeah. And, and there's even challenges around that. So, let's say fundus.com came up and it was super transparent all the way to the point where you can say, here's a $100 donation. And then two weeks later, you're told, your money went towards the purchase of $5,000 worth of fuel. Like that's how much transparency, like you were able to even track where did your money actually end up on a technical level, on an actual item line item level. That would be amazing. What would happen was they'd be shut down. <laughs> as soon as they got some traction, the government, like they did with GoFundMe and Give, Send, Go, they would shut them down. Uh, that's the problem with having a central anything. It can be shut down. And when that happens, they can't move money. Their own bank account shuts down. Like there's going to be some troubles around that. Um, I do like the give, send, go model where each item or each fundraiser is there. So you can see how much money comes in. It would be great if give, send, go had a follow-up accountability stage where you had to submit maybe the line items that were spent or the expenses. So that too was part of the process as transparency. That might be a, a better model because... I would donate a hundred bucks there two months later it's closed. The money is spent. We all get notified that the expense reports are available to be viewed. That would be amazing if, if somebody did that. But I do think if it was a Canadian company working with Canadian banks, you're going to run to a lot of fingers where you don't want them to be. And right when you need the money the most, it's going to be taken from you. So that, that challenge might be there. Yeah, I'm just noticing in the chat, people like, just get an accountant. Like, you know, it'll fix it all. I mean, I I think that I, I've met so many accountants. I met so many accountants where the one of the first things is this I am a creative accountant. Right. Right. <laughs> well, and yeah, so I, I do think that, you know, say with the convoy, I mean, that wasn't anticipated and the volumes of money being raised 
twice was not quite anticipated. So there weren't things in place like, you know, people's proper, like a proper business account that was, you know, holding the money. It was going into people's personal accounts. And so it was mm -hmm. making crazy they're like this is my six hundred thousand dollars and it's like no it's not no it's not yours but yeah. you could see that that made them nuts so uh, you know it depends some like something that has an opportunity to get established with a proper accounting you know system in place i really do think it can work um we're all at risk and of being debanked no matter what we do though that's what we're correct looking at. correct and, and then cash is king still too. So that's a tough one to track and even put into that system. And uh, yeah, yeah, I know there's a lot of challenges around it, but my biggest concern is if you have a centralized one, the government has already demonstrated their ability to go ahead and stop it, uh, especially when you need it. Uh, Jason, did you want to take the next question? Sorry, I just had to find the unmute button there. Um, so when I... I, going back a little bit earlier, you were talking about your Infowar interview, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, Donald always talks about. You know, do you remember what Beth Ann said five minutes ago? No, none of us really do. But in my case, clipping your videos lately, I've got to watch them multiple, multiple times. No, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, it's okay. But one of the things that I was really that stood out for me was when during your last interview with Viva Fry, you deliberately circled back because he wanted to talk about justin trudeau's you know pink sweater and you know yeah, all the glory yeah, yeah. in the news but you made a point of hey can we stop and do you mind if i talk about the coots boys that that right there shows me the difference you know when when it's so easy to get distracted by by exciting things and then when but we're here for one reason and one reason only and uh you know i just want to applaud you for that that was good i don't really have much more of a question Jason, like normally I don't get bothered by shit like that, man, but I am trying. I'll put it at that. I'm trying. Yeah, I can see that. Morgan? All I was going to say is this is just why I, from the beginning, I don't deal with money. I don't touch it. I stay far away from it. <laughs> Um, I have had, I will say I've had a few people hand me cash and I always tell them I'm either going to donate it to my partner's legal fees or mm -hmm. to um, food to the streets, which is just a, a local, I, I trust them. They're friends of mine who literally just people drop off food to my barn and then they come and pick it up and distribute it from there. I don't, yeah, but I've had so many people come to me complaining about, you know, they're, they're coming to me crying about people complaining about their fundraisers. And I always tell them, if you are going to fundraise, you need many checks and balances. You need transparency. Uh, if you're an NGO, transparency is so key. And, and, but I mean, personally, I'm just like, nope, nope. And then that way, that's why I love going on Twitter and dealing with the grift trolls because mm. I'm like, tell me one time, tell me one time I asked for money, accepted money, uh, fundraised. I don't do it. <laughs> I <don't. laughs> yeah. I, I even feel bad. Someone I even feel bad. having my, I even, Yeah. I even feel bad having my book out like um, shadow Davis. Um, 
said before the show, what is it you want to make sure I talk about? Of course, I'm going to talk about your book, but is there anything else? I'm like, well, actually, uh, thanks for mentioning it because I, I never remember to mention the book uh, because I, I could keep going. I could keep talking about everything other than that. Um, so look, like, I even feel guilty uh, selling the book, but the money is going to the men, so it makes it a little bit easier. Um, but look, I'm not in it to grift. I don't even know what grift means. Um, I asked one person, what's the difference between earning and grifting? And, and they said, your intent. I'm like, oh gosh. So how does the world know what your intent is? Uh, because they're the ones labeling you. So that's gonna be a tough one. Um, but I think I, when I think of a grift, I think more of you're selling snake oil. If someone wants to donate to your, um, endeavors or they want to purchase your book that you, you know, that's not a grift. That's, um, I think of this like the common law grift, you know, the people are sold in an, on an idea, they go to court, okay. they lose, then they go back to the person who trained them on common law, then they're berated for not following their advice. That's a grift. <laughs> That's in my okay, world. I get it. So when you're a shyster, when you mean no good will, it, it's bad will. Right. And you're selling people on, on an idea that you know doesn't necessarily always work, but you're telling them it's 90, it's a hundred percent effective. It's now it's only 99% effective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, think, and I'm I'm getting boils, <laughs> I think it boils down to integrity too. I mean, if you're, if you're doing some one, if you're saying one thing and then doing an, an absolute other thing, then, you know, that's a grift too. Sure, fair enough. And I'm getting a, I'm getting a, a new one now, and the new one is uh, I'm controlled op because I get on big shows. You're Folks, to let you all know how this happens, I ask. That's simply Man. all I do. Welcome <laughs> to the Fed Club. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and but then, but then you're guilty because you're helping too. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, yeah, thanks. You know, we worked really hard getting them on some of these shows. You're welcome. You know, it's Nick. like. It, it takes people doing stuff behind the scenes to make things happen. And, and, you know, I've gone from an anti-vaxxer to an anti-taxer and I'm, I'm, I'm really <laughs> reluctant to, um, to get on anybody about what they're selling and their, you know, like t-shirts, hoodies, all that kind of stuff, because nothing, nothing is like the money that is being stolen from good hardworking people every single day you know yeah. money that goes in money that goes out money that goes this way it's like the government's like i'll take i'll take i'll take i'll take you know so like people uh, like i remember there's this one beautiful girl and she used to come to all the events and sell t-shirts out of a wagon you know and many people would could call that a grift and i'm like she lost her job at air canada as a flight attendant and she's now selling t-shirts out of a wagon because she's being resourceful and she can make you know a 50 percent profit per t-shirt because they weren't outrageously priced and you know she could make you know like a couple of hundred bucks at an event you know and it's like screw you that's not a grift it's somebody being resourceful and doing the best that they can and so um, I, I'm I'm reluctant to call anybody a grifter. Uh, it, it's like we are being grifted upon by the powers that be, and that is the greatest grift. And you know we have to focus on that, not the like you know peanuts that people are gathering because they made buttons or mugs or mm. or a hat. Like shut up, leave them. Nobody alone. is getting rich off of buttons and jewelry. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> yeah. Diagonal. They're making a fortune. 
yeah. your 50 cents from uh, Rumble rants or whatever that you get is obviously not going to pay for your Starlink bill or, you know, that kind of right. thing. So. Right. No. Right. No, right I now. Think about right what, now I think now about what you've put in, Jason. Like, I can't imagine you're, you're, you're probably in the net loss, really, I'm, I'm sure. Oh, no doubt. No doubt, dude. Like, no doubt. Um, my Rumble doesn't cover my Rumble costs. Rumble costs money to be able to go live on it. So I actually have to pay Rumble. And then if you get Rumble rants, they take it away from what you owe them next month. I'm not covering even that fee. No. And this is not a monetary thing. My my goal is to win the election. Um, so I got to put an investment into it. Uh, that, that was understood. And we are doing that. Now, if it does end up getting to the point where it covers itself, well, of course, that's a good thing. I'm about sustainability. And if you're able to sustain yourself through your own efforts, that's that's golden. Um, but look, I'm attacked on YouTube, so I'm not going to be monetized and collecting money there anytime soon. I'm super close to losing that channel for not even having the information they're accusing me of. So look, this is not a way to get rich for sure. Um, we covered all our costs going down to... Um, Lethbridge, except for accommodations, that was donated to us. We didn't have to cover some of the days. We had to cover other days, but during the court days, it got covered for us. Um, that's it. Everything else, we we covered ourselves. The gas, getting down there, the time, time away from family, staying in court. And it's not about that. Um, we have one alt media that says, hey, you want coverage at this court? Donate to me, and I'll go there. I think that is a horrible model, a horrible model, because you're threatening your audience in order to fund you. It should be, here's the information, then donate to me. That's the way that model should be. Um, so, no, it's a tough one, too. But at some point in the future, I, I do have to feed my family, and I'm not a rich man. Um, I'm absolutely uh, doing everything I can to minimize my costs. Um, at some point, i got to figure that, that problem out, too. I'm a human, just like everybody else. It's no different than buskers downtown, in my opinion. And if you can pay them if you want to, you don't have to. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm looking at entropy, like Jason had mentioned to me. Entropy is a good idea. It says people that want to support you, they can do it that way. Uh, so I'll be doing something like that, like if you want to. Uh, but I don't have a requirement to be a subscriber or a requirement to, to fund me to go cover stories. I think the model should be, I cover stories, therefore, you want to support it. Um, that should be the model. Yeah, absolutely. And you're providing value, right? I mean, I know that, uh, you know, there's a comedian in Canada that uses a Patreon account, and it's like $6 a month. Um, but he's not making as nearly the same amount of content and material as you are, Jason. You know, maybe some people would value the content that you've been providing at $6 a month or $4 a month. I, you know, there's different ways to skin that cat. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't I, I think that the freedom movement needs a bit of a shift too. that we don't need to feel horrible about raising money and we don't need to feel like we don't need to be like shaking a tin cup outside the street like, please, sir. Can I have enough, please? You know, no, nope. it's like, like you're allowed to make money. And if you're providing stuff of value, then you should be compensated because the hours you put in, the hours I put in that I get zero dollars. It's like, man, when there's an event, there's an event. And if I can make a hundred bucks, great. Like, 
Now leave me alone. I'm going to put in another hundred hours onto my next event. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about living minimum wage. We're doing like a dollar an hour here. Oh, um, like pennies an hour. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So good news is I was chatting with a gentleman. His name's Gary. I don't have his last name in front of me. Uh, he started the uh, Freedom Network. So for, I think it's freedomnetwork.ca. Yeah. He's got the app on Roku. He's putting together a whole thing. This will be Canada's Daily Wire Plus. There will be a subscription, uh, be revenue share. Uh, there'll be affiliate stuff and all that kind of stuff. He's really trying to be the Jerry, Jeremy Boring of Canada. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good idea. I think that, that's something we absolutely do need. So that could be a content creator's dream. And Rage may be on there, no problem as well, uh, because it could be a good way to kind of coordinate that, have a bit of a brand. And, uh, yeah, and be part of something a little bit bigger than just the show. Things like that. And, and ultimately, I, I do believe I'm going to win this election. So I think uh, that will be how I support my family in the future. Uh, but for the next two years, I, I'm going to have to figure that problem out. Now, I had somebody in my tweet a couple of times say, um, Jason doesn't even ask for donations. Oh, my gosh, if he did, people would do it. And then somebody posted my book link. And said, well, you can support him through your book. And I said, thank you so much for buying the book. Proceeds go to the men. Um, so if you're trying to support me, there's no way to do that directly. Right now, all the proceeds go to the men. Uh, but I do have to figure that problem out at some point. So there's, I'm going to maybe uh, follow Jason's advice. There's buy me a coffee, right? I think I don't have that uh, like uh, attached yet. But I think if you like my work, then buy me a coffee is kind of the concept. And, you know, you can... Give somebody two bucks, four bucks, whatever, and it'll mm-hmm. it'll add up. So well, those are I, to consider. Oh yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say I have the de- I have the delicate issue of navigating what's a donation to my campaign and what's a donation to me. So I yes. do have to figure out that as well because I can't be accused of, and I don't need to go through that kind of audit that I was receiving donations and then people said well because you had the hat on those are all independent candidate donations so i do have to figure that part out right now um anything that goes through rumble and stuff like that goes straight to my campaign so they are donations and i am recording them that way because i'm not taking it personally um so i, I do have to figure that uh, that out maybe i need an accountant for that one too mm. See, that, that's why i brought up the entropy solution was because like for example on jeremy's show I want to support them. So it's a $3, you know, credit card charge. And I will type out some witty comment or something and he'll read it on air. So I'm happy. He's happy. And uh, it kind of, it's just an easy way to collect. Like, it's three bucks. Like it's. it's yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's because of your advice, yeah, I'll be looking to that, Jason, for sure. I it's think that so might be good the first for engagement and keeping people involved. And then they, they're, um, Whatever their messages that they want shared gets shared. I don't. I I actually do love that method, and I'll I'll tell you firsthand too. The moment you can't afford to do this anymore, and you take a step back, like I have now that I've picked up a few jobs, you will receive another wave of backlash. And I'm I'm quick to remind people that I probably spent thirty to forty thousand dollars of my personal savings on this movement and I did it while I could and now I can't. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that you got what Just you got. And I I, sh- I hosted rallies and barn shakers and things to create community. 
And now I just tell them when they complain about why are there no rallies? I'm like, because you're not hosting one, I guess. <laughs> if you want to host one, I will share it. But I no longer have the means to. Um, yeah, I'm just one person. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, for it's, sure. it's important that we take care of ourselves, because if you know, if we if we and we're such giving people, if we give ourselves too much, then there's not going to be. You know, it's like the old oxygen mask. You put it on yourself first, right? So I, I applaud you, Morgan, for, for stepping back like that. I saw that today. And, you know, it's 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 just the way it has to be. You can't just keep giving forever without, you know, getting something back. So. Right. And just dealing. It was mostly to deal with. Um, and that was a lot to do with people's complaints about me not returning messages. If I returned everyone's messages, I <laughs> would not have a life. I would not sleep. I would not eat. I would not work. <laughs> it's because once you respond to one, you know, I could have an ongoing conversation with 200 people all day long. It's just not possible. And I'm not willing, I'm not interested in getting a secretary or someone to deal with my personal messages like that. It's just, that's not my thing. So yeah, I'm, I might take two months to get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I would think Morgan's agent. So, you know, if you have any burning questions to bring to Morgan, have them come through me. That's not well at Twitter. And I will I will screen a lot of that for her with pleasure. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. And, and one of the last questions I got asked before I lost communication with Margaret was uh, first I was accused of um, doing this for political gain. And I answered her, I said, I am. She says, what? I said, I am. I am running for office. I haven't hidden that at all. And absolutely, I'm doing all of this work for the purpose of gaining support in order to win an election. But Margaret, you need to understand, I can't do that on the backs of bad actions. I can only do that on the back of good work. So let's build good work. This is the only way for me to do this. Um, so in, if anything, that, that makes me a little bit more qualified because I'm running, because I actually have a check and balance in place, which is if I do bad and I do bad things and if I stole money or did something silly like that, that mm -hmm. destroys the entire motivation of what I'm trying to do here. So I'm actually I have a built in check and balance by being a politician to keep me running the straight and narrow so I can win that election as an independent. Nobody's going to help me but my credibility. So I have to maintain it to its highest standard. She understood that. She actually responded positively to that. But the person making the allegation, I don't know if they got to hear my response to that. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay, so it's been two and a half hours, um, and you have answered, like, all the questions. I mean, there's been a lot of comments. Uh, oh, yeah, there we go. Um, in the chat, mm -hmm. but I think for the most part, you have hammered them all. And everyone loves Morgan. Oh my gosh! Yeah, of course. Who doesn't? Yeah, yeah, yeah no. Get well, I know one person. I have a list of people who do not. Not in the comment section. They're all like, "Love Morgan. She's so great." Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, maybe we'll put her on Infowars, and then she can do this job now, right, Morgan? Yeah, that's right. Well, you know what? I was telling Bethan the other day. Um, I can probably thank Alex Jones for waking me up in. 2011 when i first we had purchased our first family computer <laughs> and then i was like 9 11 sandy hook and i was the i was all about it <laughs> you guess so way you. getting into your thank you alex jones i might be vaccinated today if it's not for if it wasn't for him <laughs> right yeah, yeah. he yeah. saved and, your and life I, 
And and I had a nice surprise today. Uh, like again, you guys are seeing the nasty stuff because I'm not posting everything. I'm still having great days and I'm having good things happen all the time. Like Pat King is going to be on the show. Spend a lot of time with him behind the scenes now. He's an awesome guy. Um, but when I was on Infowars, because we're talking about political prisoners, the conversation just happened to line up with talking about Maxime Bernier. Because, um, of course, that's a part of what we're going through, even our political oppositions being arrested. And that's part of what I'm here to talk about. So I talked about that. Well, that actually led into um, somebody was trying to ruin my relationship with Maxime Bernier by sending him emails about things I never did and never said. So he reached out to me to ask me about that. And he's respectful enough to actually ask before he starts getting annoyed with somebody. I did explain myself and I asked him for sources. He didn't share it. But anyways, he reached out again after the appearance on Infowars, thanked me for it and uh, offered me 30 minutes. Just basically say, tell me when you want me to come on for 30 minutes or come on to your show for 30 minutes. Because I've been bugging him for a good two months to come on and a lot over the last month to come on about the coups. So now he reached out and he said, hey, Jay, you got 30 minutes. When do you want me on? He's coming on tomorrow morning. He'll be on and we'll be talking about political prisoners, his ordeal, what happened to him. And we'll be sharing that with a bunch of Windsor people who are also political prisoners as we open up that tomorrow. Um, so look, karma's being great to me. I have no problems with the path I'm on. It hurts sometimes. Yeah, there's a little bit of pain there because nobody likes to be you know, pointed at and, and embarrassed in public the way I have been. Uh, especially I think the ones that bothered me the most were these private messages that weren't even responded to instead of it was thrown public and I, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, karma's good. Max is on. I've been spe speaking to Joanne Pearson. She's a lovely woman, lovely woman. Uh, she was also put on my do not talk list. So she's now on my talk list. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to speaking to the other gentlemen. There's uh, nine other people that were arrested and charged here. Uh, you don't even know their names, do you? Um, you're going to learn them. And there's a lot more people around that, too. There was four leaders, not just Marco. So there was four people named as leaders by the uh, RCMP. Uh, do you know all their names? You're going to learn them. Uh, and we also have a whistleblower who came forward. Uh, there's a person who has some information that they did not want me to share with you guys. So you're going to be hearing about it. Um, oh, that's coming up in the next couple weeks. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and I think that's what, we, that's what we're supposed to do, isn't it? Isn't this what the yeah. journalism we want? Isn't this what we want? Yes. And we do need to know their names. I don't know their names. And so I look forward to that. I wanted to hone in on one of the comments here that says, uh, yeah, to remember the goal is still supporting the men and their families and that you can also contribute directly to their canteens, phone calls. Mm -hmm. um, there's an app that I used to talk to Jeremy while he was incarcerated. ETL I don't getting know, out. Getting out. I don't know if they all do all four men have access to that. Yeah, yeah, but you have to be invited by the men. You can't just jump in there. The men have to send you an invite on that app. Okay. You can use that app to put money into their accounts without an invite, but you won't be able to communicate with them without an invite. Mm -hmm. uh, the best way I found to put money in is to use the website. So um, Alberta has a website for contacting inmates. We, we put it everywhere. Uh, yeah, if you go you there, can, you can... I think Synergy, if you call... That's where you end up with. Yeah, that's yeah. where you end up with is the Synergy. Right. Yeah. Um, I, think yeah. it, I think it's really helpful to send them letters to you. I mean, I know it sounds yeah. so simple, but even a one-page letter... There's the link on the screen now. Just to let let them know that we are here because i mean they don't get to see these podcasts they don't get to see all the people in the chat that are supporting them they don't get to feel the 
the love and the support that they have, unless we send like it, when I watch Greg Arcade's song, uh, Greg Arcade on YouTube, um, Letters of Hope, go check it out. Uh, but when I watched that, man, I was in tears and reading this and like he's talking about, oh, when we get out in June and I was just I welled up man, and I immediately went to my office and sat down and wrote letters. Yeah, and I, I actually had someone reach out to me and they were apprehensive about they had written the letters, they were ready to be mailed out, but there was something holding them back. They were scared to send yeah. them and I didn't ask them why. Uh, maybe they just don't want to be on a list or tied in, what have you. And I just said, in my experience, and again, I was only incarcerated for eight days. I would have done anything for contact with the outside world. And so I, I think like just hit, yeah, just go to the mailbox, <laughs> get her done. And don't, yeah, don't let, don't live in fear because uh, yeah, they could use any and all support while they're in there. And writing letters and receiving letters is about the only thing you have to look forward to, other than like a sh a cold shower and some <laughs> shitty food. <laughs> well, that's what I said on Twitter. If if anybody can, if it's about the cost of the stamps or the postage, send me a send me a message and I will reimburse you for your stamp costs or whatever. For sure, for helps. sure. And uh, this little note about the Greg Arcade thing. The first week that we were doing the show, I did reach out to uh, Zahena. So he's a uh, artist in uh, Manitoba. And I reached out to Greg Arcade. And I asked them both to write a song for Coots 4. Uh, Zahena wrote one like the same week and provided it to us. And Greg's response was, I've been thinking about it since the fundraiser. I'm, I'm thinking about seriously doing a song. Um, so... You know, because of Granny or Margaret, I reached out to some artists and said, hey, guys, why don't you do a song? So I'm very pleased that Greg did do that. Um, I'm not saying I'm the reason, but uh, when I asked him about it, he said he's been thinking about it. Um, so if that helped I him make the final decision or stuff, then that's great. I didn't make it 30 seconds, and I started crying. 30 seconds. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> it's, yeah, no, that song's really going to do wonders for, for everybody. I, I hope it goes viral, and everyone should definitely help make that go viral. And if you ever get to see one of those dream catchers in person, it's amazing what he's done. Those dream catchers, he, yeah, it's 100%. He's making it with scraps. He's dyeing it. He's using crayons. Like, what he does to make, this is Jerry, what he does to make those things is amazing. And you would actually think that this is not, you, this is like production level. Like, it looks like it's supposed to be this way. It's an amazing thing, those dream catchers. And the Lysic does amazing beadwork, too. Um, and Carbert has, he is a painter. He has a painting waiting for me to go, to go pick up next week. Cause I get to go see Carbert next week, uh, in person. So, uh, Carbert and, uh, Lysik, I'm traveling down tomorrow actually, uh, to go spend some time with both of them. Um, one last thing before we go, uh, mm -hmm. it, you know, in the theme of political prisoners, I'm thinking about Pat King. Um, yeah. you will be having him on the show, I believe on the 17th. And, um, you know, we're talking about fundraising and that kind of thing. He's he is allowed to raise money for his legal fees, which are exorbitant. Um, mm -hmm. and, and and I have talked about it, you know, as far as lawyers are concerned, there is no ceiling on the amount of money that they can request demand. And because he's Pat King, you know, he's a controversial individual and um, it's been difficult to get him the. Uh, legal support that he needs. 
Um, and so there is going to be a big fundraiser for him in Alberta. And I know we will have more details to follow. I can um, give the details now because I'm okay. actually part of it. Oh, oh, oh okay. Oh, you look at that. So that's where we're going to meet. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. And I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it out here now because I may not be part of it soon after about what I'm about to say. Um, so August 26th, Leduc, it's a Pat King fundraiser for the Coots 4 as well. This is an Operation Rescue approved uh, fundraiser, which means the money goes straight to Jacqueline uh, Morin. Uh, she's the one that runs Operation Rescue, and Granny or Margaret runs uh, the GoFundMe or Gifts and Go. Uh, so this is a Jacqueline fundraiser okay so this is why i'm putting this out there i've already been confirmed by the organizers pat king put me in contact with them we're definitely doing it i got Lindsay butler she's going to be the music so she agreed to it put them all together so we're going to be doing this larger larger event uh than it was before uh, i hope i'm still part of it uh i may not be there's some powerful people involved that may exclude me from it. But August 24th, Leduc, Pat King, it's for the guys. Uh, Lindsay Butler is going to be the musical act. I'll be there. I'll, I'll speak. There's other speakers. And I believe he's got more. So there's going to be more. So you may be working on another one that one in you're September. coming out for. I'm working on one in September. Yeah, yeah. He's got, he's got more. So this is August yeah. 26th. I'll be okay. part of the September one as well. Great. Amazing. So yeah, like, like, obviously, everybody fly, go to these events, you know, support it in any way. Come see us. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because it boosts morale, right? Yeah, yeah. And I can say Betty Carbert will be at that one. So she is trying to be there. And uh, James Sowery will be there as well. He's trying to be there. And I've reached out to some more family to let them know that's happening. Uh, but Betty's responded, and, and she's good to go. And uh, James Sowery uh, will be there as well. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I got to go. I love you all. It's like getting Thank dark. Thank you, Quebec. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I deserve Alberta. a bit of a break. <laughs> Quebec lives over. I love you guys and, and the Maritimes. We, we're in the middle of it. And we're sorry we're taking all your money, but we love you. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much, Bethan. And this was last minute for you to come on because I great canceled on me yesterday, so I had to get something going. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank yeah. you, and we'll see you around for sure. We'll, we'll see you, you keep you keep me honest because you're like Jay. Explain this, yeah, Jay. It, what's happening what here? What is going Holy on? Smoke, here. What's going on? <laughs> Ten minutes in the hot tub, and my like, what is what is happening? Yeah, yeah. It's like I just got this guy going, and he's already shooting himself in the foot. What's going on? Uh, but thank you for taking a look. Thank you. All right, love you all. Thanks, Bye. Thanks Bye, you too. Bye, Island Jason. Okay. Good night. Yep. Yep. Uh, if there's any more questions, I wouldn't mind kind of having an early evening. Uh, it was a long day, even though it was only two podcasts today. Yeah. Well, how many hours time. are you on now? <laughs> we stopped track. We stopped keeping track. We need an accountant a, for that. Transparency in the hours. It is. Yeah. yeah you've yeah, got over six, what do you got? Eight, almost eight hours of podcast today. <laughs> yeah. Look wow. at that. <laughs> You yeah. could be my accountant. You could do good math. Yeah, I'm but going if there's to any more questions. My, my beautiful Fed car, my 2010 Kia Forte, needs some love. <laughs> so. so we got a fundraise for your car? The Fedmobile, no. <laughs> the Fedmobile. <laughs> no fundraising. 
If you're fundraising for anyone, definitely the Coots for. I will figure out my little Kia. <laughs> yeah, I don't see any more questions, uh, Padge. If there's anything else you want to throw on the screen, maybe we can get a last couple in here. Uh, usually, legal teams have the info for donations, funds, etc. Why not in this case, or is it different in Canadian land? Uh, I can't answer that question. I don't know if they are actually giving that information to the lawyers or not. I do know they distribute the money directly to the family in most of the uh, circumstances. I know that they give large chunks to the lawyer when necessary. And I also know that they've raised about a million dollars so far. Uh, this came out in a lunch that I was hanging out on, and they expect to raise another million in order to cover all the fees. So if you're a family member and you're curious, uh, these are the numbers they've used, and uh, you're more than entitled to uh, have some sort of uh, audit done uh, and to make sure it's all accounted for. I'm sure it all is. I'm yeah. sure everything's accounted for. And that, unfortunately, that's just what it costs now. I think Jeremy is, oh, he's up around a quarter million at this point. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it is not. It's not cheap. cheap. No. No. And, no. And they do have good representation. So I hope they are getting what they pay for because they do have good representation. There's nobody in that courtroom who's even insinuated that the lawyers are garbage. Outside of the courtroom, a lot of people have a, their opinion, habeas corpus. Everybody seems to think that's a magic word to get everybody out. Uh, yeah. I get that about 12 times a day when people remind me of that one. Um, but in any case, I, I have no issue with their representation. They've been, they take phone calls, they will talk to you, and uh, they're doing a good job in there. Yeah, and I think there was some, I heard there was some sec success with habeas corpus in New Brunswick. And so I, I was getting hung up on it as well when Jeremy was incarcerated, but I, yeah, didn't get around to filing for it. And I, yeah, I don't, at the end of the day, like we, we had to learn the hard way. We kind of went the cheap route the, for his first bail hearing and it ended so poorly. The lawyer was so unprepared. It seemed like he started preparing the night before the bail hearing. I was extremely disappointed. So you, you do get what you pay for. Yeah. Yeah. Any last questions here, Jay? And don't make me cry again. <laughs> just, just one question. I heard earlier that you're not shave shaving or having a haircut until the boys are freed. How long yeah, it's, it's driving me crazy, by the way. Get? <laughs> I can tell, man. That's like a wool blanket on your face. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a... But, oh. Yeah, yeah. If you're really curious, there's a picture of me on my Twitter of me when I was in the middle of the winter. I was like hibernating bear. I took my hat off. The hair popped out. My beard was out. So it, there's a lot of room for growth here, Jason. Uh, it can get wild. It can get real wild. But I, it is getting to the point where I'm in between the itchy stage and the comfortable stage. So it is itchy right now. And, and I'm having a hard time keeping it proper. Um I still want to maintain my commitment to the men, though, so I might just clean it. But I'm not going to. They have straighteners that. now, beard straighteners. I don't know if you see. Are you selling that, you grifter? <laughs> Can I get it with a diagonal on logo on it? I was picturing like a curling curlers in his beard. <laughs> oh, I might get oh there. shit! I forgot to take those out. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But growing up as a kid, I'm the one that had the wings out of my hat all the time. I, I am not a um, vain person. I really don't care about my appearance. I, I, I really don't. And it may not be a good thing, but especially if you're public uh, in the public eye. But no, uh, I. My it wife means knows. absolutely I, I nothing. It's you know, no. Your integrity uh, and devotion is everything. Your appearance, 
whatever but i think that's great i like that idea until they're until they're out yeah uh, donald cool. best doing the same thing and his beard's coming in nice so i'm jealous i'm jealous his is coming in perfect he's looking like a young santa claus and soon he's gonna look like <laughs> a full santa claus but uh yeah i might just clean it because i've got some i have an independent personality and apparently independent hair it's going to go wherever it wants to go um so we have to deal with that i think <laughs> maybe I, I some regulations and statutes You've been spending too much time with Viva Fry, I think. Yeah, he's a bad influence because his hair is everywhere now. But he is. I was, a, watching, I, I was watching one of his videos from uh, the convoy, and his hair is so short, and he's like so clean cut. And then I, you know, you look at him now. It's, yeah, yeah, it's and good. my uh, my uh, you met him, Ali, the guy that you met, uh, Ali, the guy that does the graphics and stuff like that. I sent him the Viva stuff, and he found some picture of him like forty years ago or something. Like he looks so young, and his hair is so short. I'm like, oh. It's too late to change it now, but no, Viva doesn't yeah, look like that anymore. His hair's everywhere. Yeah, you look at his PPC running when he ran for the PPC, and, and yeah, he's pretty clean cut. It's probably why mm -hmm. he didn't get elected. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he was an inspiration to me. I wrote it in my uh, coming out as a politician. I had a bit of an announcement. I'm coming out as a politician. And this one of the straws that broke my camel's back to really pursue it was Viva leaving. The fact that Viva gave up on Canada. He gave up on Quebec and he said, okay, I've, I've found my limit and I'm going to go. Uh, that was sad to me because I don't like when Canadians have to or flee. They really feel like they have to flee. I don't like that at all. I, it's not that they're doing it. It's the fact that they feel they have to. I don't like that, that that's even a thing. Um, mm -hmm. And also we lost a good voice. So when it comes to the freedom movement and stuff like that, yes, he's still there. Yes, he's technically Canadian, but he's definitely covering a lot more American subject matter. And uh, yeah, that's why I thought, look, he kind of created a bit of a void when it came to the law tube stuff. And that's what I stepped into. Um, so he was an inspiration for a lot of those decisions around that. All right. Well, at this point, I start to wrap up uh, because my energy level is getting low and I'm not sure how you guys are holding up. But if there's more questions there, I, I can take a couple more. But oh, it is a stake of clock. Yeah. <laughs> Especially for you. Yeah, yeah. Especially for you. Oh, I this got is a phone call. Oh this is normally when I get done work. I did take some time off work this evening. It was, it's been dead. And so, um, yeah, no, this is normally when I'm getting ready to eat supper. So all good. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much for helping me out then because this is the last minute. Let's get Jay in there. I was digging around for someone else to put in there last minute and I remembered a few people have asked for me to be the guest. So I thought, what the heck? Um, yeah. I checked with myself. I, I was available. So I went and go ahead and booked it. Especially uh, after there. everything you went through this past week. And kudos to you for hanging in there. And uh, this was your first kind of real attack from public attack. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was the first big one because big, yeah. people jumped on. This is the first time that I watched people get involved on purpose because they didn't like me. Uh, that was a new one. Uh, and the irony is, is the first one that I had, which was a false allegation of improprietary towards a woman uh, behind my wife's back. Um, that was the first one where, where some ladies said, uh, hey, you're hitting on me on twin, uh, Tinder. That never happened. I don't have the app. Um, yeah. So I, I went to defend myself. And ironically, it was uh, Chris Erickson who first came to my defense and said, look, I know Jay. This is not his type of personality. Let's see some proof. And then it was Natasha Montreal who came to my defense when the lady provided the what she called evidence, and she just ripped, Natasha ripped her apart. She's like, 
not only is this not evidence, it's not even close to what he was saying. I hate it when women do this kind of thing, acting like the victim. Like she came out hard on this lady. And I was like, wow, she does like me. Because prior to that, Natasha demonstrated to me that I am nothing to her many, many times. Um, and then this was the first time she actually came out and even said my name as far as I was, I was concerned. So I was like, oh, whoa, right on, right on. Maybe I made some headway with her. No, <laughs> she was making a, a, a point to stand up on that issue. But behind the scenes, no, she, not, not even a heart out of her, not a like out of her, not a response to a message. And then what you saw later was I sent her a private message just letting her know what's up. And then we saw what happened there. Um, yeah, there's always going to be like this weird competition. Um, I had what yeah, I can never remember her name, Andy Lee. She has anyway called me. A, <laughs> you're you're a nobody. I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm not trying you, to be somebody. <laughs> you would like to be sometimes. Right? You like to be a nobody sometimes. Like, leave me alone. I, I don't want to yeah. hear from you. Right? For yeah. Real, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Andy. Andy's a relationship I do maintain. Um, but I can't get her on the show. There's something odd there where she just won't come on the show anymore. But we definitely do talk. We, we stay connected. And uh, that's the rebel that's connection. There's, I would say the rebel connection. Yeah. She, she says she's not though. She said she's not rebel. She says she's freelance. Uh, she's working a bunch of things and the rebel thing isn't her primary anything. Uh, Cause I was kind of pushing her saying, Hey, Hey, you're the rebel. Get to coots. She's like, actually, I do some rebel, but most of my stuff is on this Chinese you know, interference and some other issues that she's working really hard on. So I'm like, okay, 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 you get a pass because you're certainly working on big issues. That's a good uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I was trying to get her over to Coots, uh, but that was her response, and I believe her. I believe her. Yep. Yep. No. All right. So. Uh, right. Good uh, work the, today, Trooper. <laughs> Yeah, this was ad hoc. This wasn't planned, and it wasn't meant to be a rebuttal. It was just called open book uh, because let's do it. Let's do it. And I was hoping in the chat it would be questions that people really wanted the answers to, whatever they were. And uh, hopefully we got through what everybody wanted to know, and we can now move on because uh, I got nothing but big stuff coming. So I want to focus on that. Love it. No, keep doing All right. what you're doing. Okay. Well, thanks very much, the two of you, and then also to Ray and to Bethan, uh, who were here before. Uh, thank you all very much. I do appreciate that. Last minute, uh, four friends showed up to talk. How cool is that? Yeah. That's pretty cool. And then, Jay, I swear, this is going to be the last time I uh, exclude you, uh, because what I'm going to do with you now is I'm going to give you one of the accounts that makes you be able to get into the studio anytime. You don't need the links anymore. Um, you're going to be the type of guy that will be downloading the source out of here and using it for clips and stuff like that. So um, fire me an email address and I'll get you hooked up that way. That way you're never excluded. You can actually pop into my studio anytime. Uh, so you won't need those links anymore. Okay, Jason. Thank you very much. Thanks, buddy. And then take care, Morgan. I appreciate it. Yeah, and take care of that you. car. Oh, boy. Yeah. Do we need an episode about that to talk about your car? Just get through all the it, stories. It, it has its own, yeah, it is its own creature. There's long, yeah, between that and my house, we're under a state of emergency in Nova Scotia for fires, and yet it's raining every other day so much that I have water pouring in through my light fixtures and running down my stairs, and it's just a disaster. This is, yeah, that thus my step back. <laughs> My goodness, my goodness. I need a I need a really big like tarp that just covers 
my house, my shop, and my barn <laughs> are all leaking right now. <laughs> that's oh that's the, climate, the climate boiling, I guess. Yes. Uh, climate boiling. And, and I'm sure it's my fault. Just wait. Somebody's going to blame me for it. It'll be my fault. <laughs> Thank you both very much. I love you both. And uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. Thank you. We love you a long time. Night. Good night, Morgan. Good night, Jason. Good night, Paula. Take Thank care. You. Oh, thanks for saying good night to Paula. She's still sitting there. <laughs> Bye, folks. Well, she, she does a lot of work. She does. Oh, more than you know. She's got to put up with me. I'm not a dream all the time. <laughs> okay, good night. Take, take care, folks.